0: Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate via live video, thanks coronavirus, you giant asshole, to discuss the 2021 cinematic turd that is Willie's Wonderland. Seriously, how can you fuck up Nicolas Cage battling an army of fuzzy animatronic pizza parlor characters? Well, this movie somehow finds a way to do just that, and our favorite crew of drunken numbnuts will explain it all as they also review the impressive Herrera Esteli Miami cigar from Drew Estate, paired with a plethora of tasty craft beers. Sounds like we're in for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light 'em up, and enjoy the show. Yeah.
1: Take a sip of my, hopefully, better beer than my pre-show dumdums.
2: dums Oh, wow. Okay. Should be an emergency night.
1: <laughs> uh, well, folks, we are here once again in the virtual corner of No Hope, but the TNCC is almost fully vaccinated. So it shan't be long before we reunite finally, live, and in person.
3: Waxed, vaxxed, and ready to party. Doctor, what's it been? 13 months? Oh, at least. Maybe might be going
1: on 14 now. That shit is going to be epic. No doubt about it. I cannot wait, boys. We're, we're very, very close. Um, and with so many gazillions of podcasts out there, we are thankful and grateful that you at home... Continue to tune into our hard-bodied, sweat soaked pool party of insanity week after week. You boys and girls out there are awesome. Yes, you are. And speaking of podcasts and vaccines, we mentioned uh, Joe Rogan last episode uh, when we were talking about his $100 million Spotify deal.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh,
1: And how they were quietly removing some of his older, more controversial episodes from their platform.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: and I think we all agreed in that conversation that if Spotify just gave us each like five bucks, we'd agree never to do a podcast again. The number Did we came up that with five dollars. The number we came up with was very very low. Uh, they they countered with three, and I told them to go fuck themselves.
2: Good. Okay. Okay.
1: So we're we're still doing five or nothing. You let me handle the negotiating, boys. Uh. Seems
4: like a But dream. then yeah. okay,
1: after we talked about that. Uh, since the last show, Mr. Rogan has popped up on my newsfeed again for an entirely different reason. And I think it's worth talking about for a minute uh, because I kind of like when we talk about topical cultural news pieces. You know, Uh, I do. And unlike the million-dollar Spotify deals, this story actually does kind of relate to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club and what we do here every other week. So I want to get you guys' spin on it. So Joe Rogan, one of the country's most popular podcasters, made a comment on a recent show of his that, in his personal opinion, younger, healthier adults who are in shape and eating right probably shouldn't get vaccinated for COVID-19. And he immediately had a ton of shit slung his way for that opinion, with even the almighty Dr. Fauci chiming in that it was reckless and ill-informed comment that could potentially harm have a harmful outcome on society as a whole. Now, I'm not interested in debating any of that science stuff at all. I leave the science stuff to the scientists. Uh, But what happened next interested me a great deal. So that whole situation blew up. And then the following day, I see this article posted on the UK's Daily Mail. Here's the headline. I'm not a respected source of information, quote, $100 million Spotify podcast star Joe Rogan backtracks after saying young people should not get the COVID vaccine. He says, Dr. Fauci's right, and I'm a fucking moron. So I'm like, all right, we'll see what this is about. So a very popular celebrity backtracked, which they never do. And not only did he backtrack, but he said this. I am not an anti-vax person. I said I believe they're safe, and I encourage many people to take them. My parents were vaccinated. I just said that if you're young and healthy, you probably don't need it. Their argument was, Fauci in other words, you need it for the other people. But that's a different argument. That's a different conversation. I'm not a doctor. I'm a fucking moron. And I'm a cage fighting commentator who's a dirty stand up comedian. I'm drunk most of the time. I do testosterone and I smoke a lot of weed. I'm not a respected source of information, even for me. Bear with me. I'm almost done. Rogan added that his comments are not planned after discussing the vitamins and medications he takes, including testosterone therapy. When I say something stupid, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say before it. I'm just saying it, Rogan said. I don't have an off-air and on-air voice. I just have me. This is it. I got through the fucking net and I'm swimming in open waters. If you say you disagree with me, I probably disagree with me too. I disagree with me all the time. If someone said, yeah, young, healthy 20-year-old people who eat well and exercise are not at high risk of coronavirus, but you should think about other people, then I would say, well, that's a different argument. Yes, that makes sense. And finally, he added this. But there's a lot of people out there in the news world that have to make a fucking living. And what's the best way to make a living? Well, here's one way. Take a jackass like me and go over their podcast. Go over this three-hour drunken- Go over this three-hour, drunken, ridiculous podcast. A lot of times, we're drinking or we're high, and we say stupid shit. I get that. If you mine through that and make money off of it, more power to you. I don't care. Now, Ted, I think we're going to be on different sides of the fence here. Again, unlike Joe Rogan, perhaps thankfully, nobody is mining our six years of podcasts to catalog all the stupid, drunk shit we've said. But... I think he makes a great point as far as when you're doing a show like his, and especially an unrehearsed three-hour show like ours, which involves a case of beer amongst us at a minimum, we're simply trying our damn list to entertain you for three hours. And often, if not every show, we say shit that even we most certainly would disagree with under the sober light of dawn, or in Yakboy's case, the sober light of noon. Why anyone would take medical advice or any advice, for that matter, from a celebrity or, God forbid, a podcaster that doesn't have a Ph.D. or a doctorate degree in a specific field is mind-boggling. And I really – I loved how he handled the entire situation. I love it. I still never listen to a show, and I still think MMA is silly, but I grew a new respect for this guy. That's just me. Todd is over there just not feeling it. And how about this process, Mr. I'm so against what Kate's saying, I can't even talk. How about this process? You make a comment, you get called on it, and you either respond by clarifying it and ultimately standing behind your words, or if it warrants it, apologizing. In the age of raging cancel culture, where no one is seemingly allowed to make a single mistake unchecked, with often dire circumstances, dudes losing their livelihoods over one comment I thought this whole incident was refreshing how it unfolded. You said this, you know what I did, but upon some reflection and sobering up, no, it was stupid. Oh, okay, moving on. I,
2: I, I was- can't,
4: I can't agree with you that anything about it's refreshing. I wouldn't choose that word. I really don't care about any of this, quite honestly. Well, um, it, but
1: it, it's everywhere. So I mean, it's, it's, it's. And being that we, we do a, a three-hour drunken podcast, I think it's...
4: He he straddles the fence a little bit on what you said. I can see where... Yeah, cut.
3: Uh, come on. He, I mean, he he's got millions product. of freaking fans, and you know he slings that number around all the fucking time about how big his stuff is, and then when somebody comes contrary to it, what are you listening to me for? I'm just a moron, dude. No, uh-uh. It's... mm which is true, but no nobody
4: should pay any attention to anything the celebrity says about anything that has to do with anything serious.
3: It's I'm just saying anything- that he's smart he's smart enough to know what he said. He's smart enough to know the angle that he took. And then to hide behind this, why is anybody listening to me? I'm just a moron. No. And don't and don't sit there and say, Oh, you know what? If you if you're taking it in context for other people I can understand that, and that's different. You know, that's if he's smart enough to understand the the effects that the disease has on younger people, and can come to the, the opinion that they don't need to take the shot because there's no danger to him. Then I guarantee you, he's come across other opinions, other medical opinions, other medical articles. Hell, fucking news articles from wherever that says guess what maybe it's okay to one of the reasons that we're doing this is to protect the rest of society and those that are most vulnerable because they've been saying that since day one to claim ignorance that he didn't know about that and that now all of a sudden that makes sense come on man i don't i don't mind him having an opinion i don't mind him stating what he what he said just own it don't, don't hide behind that. I'm just an actor. I'm not a role model. I'm a moron. Just just own it.
4: All, all that's true. It's just that, I mean, it doesn't matter whether, I, I would say, forget about the fact that it's on the vaccine. That's almost irrelevant to uh, the response. In this case, it was Fauci. And, and then there's Rogan's response. It's almost irrelevant who's involved or what the topic is, if you say any, if you, if you discuss any topic that's controversial and vaccinations is highly controversial, that's as controversial as anything right now, it doesn't matter what, what you said, you know, pick any topic that's, that's polarizing that's a controversial polarizing topic where you've got people adamantly for it, adamantly against it. It doesn't matter if anybody takes a side, uh, you know, Fuck what do we know? He might be right. I disagree with him, but he might be right, but it doesn't it really doesn't matter. That's irrelevant too. The topic's irrelevant. Let's if you take a side on if you take a side on something that's controversial, you're going to get you're going to get ripped for it by somebody. Yeah,
2: and,
4: but and that's and, and and whether he's drunk or high, he knows that. But, um, but
1: my my point to was you're like just stick to your guns. 99% of the time that's what people do. They they go down blazing, sticking to their guns.
3: Well, that's the wrong, that's the wrong expression. Just own what you said. Don't try, to dis, he, don't try to dismiss it like, oh, I'm a moron. People shouldn't listen to me. Don't try to dismiss it as, in, oh, I never thought about it that way, but now that you put it that way, okay. No, I guarantee you he has thought about it that way. He's a smart man. You don't, I, you don't do what he does without being intelligent. I, I, I guess
1: – I don't know because I've never watched his show and I've never watched his stand-up. But I guess I, I felt a thing because, um, you know, in the third hour when we go sometimes off the rails, especially in the early years, and we just – just trying to make each other laugh and yeah. just going – you know, and, you know, if we said something that hurt someone's feelings, you know, you could say shit six years ago that you could never say now. Uh, and, and rightfully so but if someone called me out like dude you said this and I was like you know what I was an idiot I was drunk I was trying to be funny I was
3: an idiot you're right I'm sorry
2: didn't say that's, that
1: that's, that's not
3: that's what he said I don't think that that's what he's saying he was saying that people shouldn't listen and listen to him for stuff like that and it just I just, to me, it seemed like he was couching it. To me, it seems like he was trying to deflect anything. He was trying to deflect accountability for it. I, I I guess it just kind of tied into this whole. And I'm not asking people to like boycott or not listening to him or take the man's job away from him. No, I mean, good God, we can say things that we disagree with without, you know, firing someone's career over or ruining people over. I'm just saying that you said it. Just. Just fucking deal with it.
1: Even if you disagree with what you said.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: I guess we're just seeing it from two different points. I, I thought it was refreshing. Uh, you know, most celebrities they'll they'll take this stand and they'll get shit slung all over them and they'll be like they'll just kind of dig their heels in the ground and well that's I worse. Just, I, I just
4: pre would I, I, I respectfully disagree that they dig their heels in. I think when they get called out for something, that's when their lawyer releases a press uh, release stating that they didn't mean it at all and was taken out of context and yada, yada, yada.
2: Uh, <laughs> i I've, uh, I've seen yeah. that a lot.
1: <laughs> all that's left to this puzzle is Yak Boy's opinion. No pressure, Yaks. He told you he's taking the cage stance. He ain't saying a
4: damn thing. And yeah, because I respect you for that. You're smarter than everybody put together.
1: <laughs> that makes a good podcast. No, Ooh. no. I will speak. Just say you agree with me and make, we can move on. <laughs> I agree with the person in the square on my computer.
2: That's all three of us. <laughs>
1: it could be any of us. <laughs> That is the correct response to anything. To not have a response to anything.
3: <laughs> Just like, I mean, he's trying, Cody's trying to deflect. He's not taking accountability for what he's saying. <laughs> no, I,
1: I'm going to have to say, I agree up to a point. He does know what he's saying. I have watched his podcasts. And he is an intelligent man, he does the research on the people that he's talking to. He, you know, he doesn't just like, so what is it? What's your name and, and what do you do? Oh, that's cool. And tell me something else about, you You know, he actually learns. He, he knows about the subjects. He's an intelligent guy. Like Cade style. Yes. Cade style. But. Doing so good until then. Yikes. He He. You know, by saying some, by saying that and then literally when someone called him out on it, it's case in point. I don't actually, I mean, I haven't seen any podcast of his where he talked about the virus or the vaccination. So I don't know what, if he has any other feelings and I haven't read anything on it. But, you know, guy's going to speak his mind. It's not a popular opinion. People call him out on it. I'm an idiot. He just and. I go with Tut. It's refreshing that he flipped like that. But he's like, you know, say digging his heels in. But he still, you know, like I said, he unless I actually saw the, the podcast where he actually said that mm-hmm. to see like how drunk is he, how high is he? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: but the point is, I mean
3: <laughs> Ten seconds earlier he was discussing string theorem and then- Oh, wait, we do that when we're drunk, so never mind.
1: They say it's pretty fucking unprofessional of him. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <sighs> I,
3: think,
4: I think there's I, – I don't disagree really with anything anybody here said. I think these are all – I almost think uh, everything has got some validity to it. I think that if it boils down to one thing, it's that whether it's celebrity – and I only remember Joe Rogan because he was—he was on the Man Show, wasn't he? Wasn't that? Wasn't he on that? It
3: was Adam Carolla.
4: Wasn't I just remember
3: on- Joe Rogan as a very boring stand-up.
4: I thought he was on the, the Man Show with Adam Carolla. That's Jimmy no, uh, Kimmel. Kimmel.
3: Yeah, I think that was Jimmy Kimmel.
1: Okay. only thing I mean, he was—he was the the engineer on that show, talk radio with Phil Hartman and uh, That was NBA. a good show. I like that. And he I think would, he did some guest spots on the Chappelle show, if
4: I recall. I never watched him. So, yeah. uh, anyway, so uh, clearly I know very little about him, but obviously, if he got the contract that Kate was talking about, that qualifies as a celebrity. And I guess the point is that whether it's an actor, musician, Joe Rogan, sports star, whatever, anybody with a friggin' brain shouldn't take. Anything that they say and, and follow it.
1: Yeah, but, but
3: dude, we live in America.
1: Nobody's
4: got a brain. Well, I just, I just
3: don't want to see. Maybe him, we should stop there. Maybe that
4: just really just makes this entire conversation irrelevant.
3: I just don't want to see him turned into a hero for playing the hero card or playing the moron card. Because if playing the moron card is a hero, we're the goddamn Justice League. No, I
1: mean, I, there's, I, there's a. I, t- So we'll move on. But here's where he would have have
3: been played the hero. Meanwhile in the swamp outside Capitol City. I literally don't care. I just tried to massage that in so I could do the the Justice League tie-in.
1: But the only way he would come out as the hero is if he stood his ground and went all in on like an anti-vaccine thing. And then you'd have chicks like that psycho Georgia senator and all these wackos that are Anti-vax and all that, calling him, you know, the the new voice of of the new America, and and then he then he, you know, if he wanted to be a hero, they would make him into a hero to several gazillion million Amer- dumbass Americans really quick. But he didn't. He was like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. And I I thought that was, I, I guess I saw a little bit of myself in him because. There's been times when I've been drunk, not just on the show, but in general. And I've just been asked a question or whatever, and I've shot off an answer, and in the light, you know, the next day, I'm like, yeah, that, that was that was not right, and I, there's I would like a, a chance. I would like a chance
2: a to clarify.
4: There's a difference because, believe it or not, and on the show, we, yes, we get drunk, and yes, we do some stupid things. But, God, knock on this marble cabinet here. We have... I got wood here. I got some here. here go. I got some here. Uh, Tud, knock on the wood. Uh, other than Tut's, uh, he's, getting,
1: he's getting canceled.
4: Other than the innuendo of Tut right there, we normally... We don't get into controversial stuff. Uh, no. I, I certainly would avoid any political... We would
3: never talk about, about yeah, this. We say to, some uh, controversial yeah. things.
4: Yeah, doctor, we, we tend to do
1: that when you're not around.
4: Uh, and that's fine. That's y'all's business. But, I mean, what you say when you're, you know, just having some beers with some people or whatever is one thing. I mean. Yeah, so. but
1: but no, I mean, if, if we do go into something, I you know, I always feel like I'm, I'm coming at it from the place that in my core I feel I'm, I'm on the right side of things. Uh, but I'm certainly not as. I'm, I don't care how many of these 11% beers I drink in the third hour of the subject of vaccines comes up. I'm not saying shit because I'm not a scientist. I'm trying to make you laugh about stupid movies and, uh, you know, God knows, you know, I'm making fart noises over here. I know my role.
3: Well, I mean, just, that is assault. That is assault. And I just, just be, just be honest. I don't mind having honest conversations from dumb positions because God, I have those daily But you know, just I I just hate the whole, you know, I'm not a role model argument. I'm just he knows who he is. He knows what his following is. He knows what his platform is. You know.
1: So he he's not capable of apologizing.
3: Got it. No, he can apologize. I mean, he can change his position. But don't just sit there and dismiss it like, oh, you shouldn't be following me anyway. He didn't say that. That's what it sounded like. He says, "I'm a moron. Who's taking health advice from me?" He he was saying essentially, "Dude, I'm a, a fucking MMA commentator, and you know." Uh, it's the same thing as Charles Barkley. I'm a basketball player. I'm not a, I'm not your role model.
1: <sighs> Follow me for the good times. The minute I start talking waxing uh, about science or politics, disregard. We should have that disclaimer on the front of our
2: show.
1: In the refrigerator, when I get back, I am hoping we have
3: moved on. We can't because I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to just attack this like a dog with a bone.
1: Dogs with bones? I think that's a little stereotypical, don't you?
3: No, they really like dogs. I mean, really like dogs. Do bones.
1: they? Okay, well, enough about... That podcast? we got our own podcast here. Not all dogs like bones, Tut. Not all of them. That is prejudice. Would you like to issue an apology?
3: Dude, what are you listening to me for? I'm a drunk podcaster. I'm not some veterinarian. What are you taking is- veterinarian stuff from me? I'm just a drunk podcast.
1: I'm just a simple drunk
4: podcaster. I don't know. He says he's a drunk podcaster, but that ponytail is exquisite, <laughs> and it says otherwise. <laughs>
1: All of a sudden, the drunk podcasters turn into the caveman lawyer. What is this cylindrical device I'm speaking into with my slurred words?
3: (laughs) By law, I have to tell you, I'm a podcaster. (laughs) I am not a doctor. I am not a lawyer.
1: Uh, Anyway, hey, man, it interested me. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, but – it got I, I, tut. It really
3: got tut. all of us? It I'm got just t- kind of talking out my ass, so it got you tut know. I'm sure up. he's a great guy.
1: It got tut worked up, so I count that as a win. Uh, welcome everyone to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast, episode 137, I believe. 137. I shouldn't have pre-show beers from now on. Uh, well, Yak Boy is running late tonight. We all had like three or four warm-up beers. Thanks, Yak Boy. <sighs>
4: it's not my, my fault. I just had a couple double
3: whiskeys. worse, Doctor.
1: (laughs) I think I've made cogent and
4: intelligent points throughout. I agree. I I
3: agree. I agree. People should listen to
4: you, Doctor. Will premium whiskeys be allowed on Just Tut? (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Hey, we don't
1: talk about Just Tut podcast on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. (laughs) Hashtag Just Tut. Tonight, I'm going to give you folks at home. Don't worry. We've moved on. Tonight, I'm going to give you folks at home the real scoop on chicken pox. You ignorant fools have been led for years, and I'm going to set the record straight. So you'll (laughs) certainly want to stick around for that. (laughs) Of course. Your Your reptilian left-wing overlords have taught you one thing. I'm going to teach you another thing.
2: Oh man,
1: Their days are numbered, and I'm going to be the one to bring them down, goddammit. No, we're not talking about chicken pots or coronavirus or any more of that nonsense we're getting down to business boys and our business cigars Uh, beers film it's good nobody puts those three do you see that speaking of cancel culture see the the jeopardy champion tapped his chest when he won three three times in a row and they called him a white supremacist because that's a symbol for white supremacy but when he won the first time, he went like this. And he went the second time, he went like this. The poor guy is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I hate white supremacy.
3: <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, like when people normally do a couch thing like that, oh, I'm sorry you thought that it was a white supremacy. He was, was like, uh, I hate white supremacy. I, I adamantly, <laughs> adamantly reject. He I mean, was just like, do Here's not cancel black-
1: culture me. My black wife and my Mexican kids. I don't even know how that happened, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> dude, I, I felt so bad for that dude. He just made a little hand signal. And there <laughs> I
3: am. I'm getting pissed reading that article that going, wait a minute. They co-opted the OK symbol? <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, they did that a long time
1: ago. You, you can't say OK anymore. Really? And the fact it's that just, I just uh, did that on YouTube.
2: On actually,
4: in, uh, in the movie Mississippi Burning uh, with Gene Hackman and and uh, All Willing the way the back Pope. then? Well, yeah, it's about the six nineteen sixty four summer, right? Yeah. So in the movie, there's a scene where uh, he's looking at a wedding photo of the deputy, which was a performance by none other than Brad Dorf, and and the guys they all have the guys have three fingers in their belt, and Gene Hackman goes, "See, that's KKK."
3: Oh, huh.
1: Well, anybody who's watched this on YouTube and saw me do that crazy crap, I love everyone. <laughs> Don't you fuck up my Spotify deal.
3: Boys. Need that five dollars.
1: I hope we're in for a treat tonight. Let's get right to subject number one. Oh,
3: I want to do this.
1: The Herrera Esteli Miami Pyramid Fino. It is six and a half by fifty-four. It's a beautiful pyramid cigar. And here's a first. I'm gonna give you the size. Six and a half by 54. And that's it. I'm not going to give you anything else. Why, you may ask? Why? Thank you, Doug. Do you know? Cade's taking his love of laziness to exciting and sad new levels, perhaps?
0: No. Understandable. It is understandable.
1: It took 45 minutes
4: to discuss that Joe Rogan stuff.
1: Uh, doctor, you can save that kind of comment for the Just Hut podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just Hut! <laughs> just Hut! Uh,
1: <laughs> no, no. All will be made clear why I'm not telling you anything more on this cigar very short. So just smell it. Suck on it. Set it on fire. And tell me what you think. Man, it's, it's got poison a strong... It? Se- strong. Poison, isn't it? Do what? It's poison, isn't it? It's what? He poisoned him. He poisoned it. What? Of course I would never poison your Yak Boy. You're the only one... He's that- already choking over there. Did you hear him? He's coughing. I said I wouldn't poison yours.
4: <laughs> Funny, I always thought the Tuesday Night Cigar Club would end with poison.
1: Oh, God, I got their cigar bags mixed up. I'm all holding dead Yak Boy in my arms.
2: Poor Yak Boy. <laughs> My poor little yak boy.
1: Uh, man, it's got a really strong cedar smell on that on that wrapper. Glorious, rich cedar.
3: Um, what'd you get on the cold draw, Ted? Uh, the dry inhale. I got a. Uh, <laughs> I got a little sweetness. A
1: little sweetness, like like
3: a little fig, to be honest a little fig he started permit yeah kind of like a little
1: spicy uh uh fig newton a, a spicy fig newton
3: mm-hmm. I and do you like fig newtons
1: permit there i thought Tut said he got a little butch big which was the dude who pr- produced the uh nevermind nirvana album and he plays guitar in that band garbage i was like that is a weird note get a little butch <laughs> a little butch big on your cigar did you Doctor, I'm getting a little bit of Moby on this. <laughs> Moby Dick? No, the uh, techno artist Moby.
4: Oh, that's a interesting take as well. Let's
1: see that coming. Let's see what Skip Martin has to say about those tasting notes. <laughs> uh, so a little bit of fig, a little bit of sweetness on the draw. What about afterlight lighting
3: well, It's far too early to t- or Far too soon to tell. Oh.
1: Oh, there is some nice spice through the nose. It's not super strong. It's a medium pepper spice. And then, uh, boy, that cedar I smelled on the wrapper is coming through loud and clear on the draw. Yeah. Well, I'll come back to it. Speaking of cigars, y'all know who makes some really flavorful ones, don't you? Who's that? I'm glad you asked, Yak Boy. Our good friends over at Drew Estate. And one of their most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Esteli Miami. Oh! There it is. He said it. He the said sh- it. Yeah, we're smoking it tonight. <sighs> I didn't tell you what it was before because I'm about to tell you what it is right now. Like, oh, I, I hit it. <sighs> one of the most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Esteli Miami Crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Calle Ocho, the Herrera-Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. Yax, did I say it right? Lavish? Lavish. Ah. God, I keep screwing that up. Lavish. Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera-Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging. As you can see on our YouTube screen here, very rich, very classy, and is available in five sizes. This Tasty Cigar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere, so go get you some. I'd also like to take a moment now to talk about something also very cool, Cigar World. No, I have to clarify every week, once again, sadly. Cigar World is not a glorious tobacco-themed amusement park for adults. It's actually something much better. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers, pure cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. And also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab, Doctor. It's got to get your eardrums uh, tingling. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys. Doctor, that's got to get you a little moist. And testing cigars. Check it out at CigarWorld.com forward slash testing land.
3: Man, even our advertisements are tying into tonight's show. hmm Cigar World. Willie's Wonderland. See? It's magic in the air tonight. Uh, yeah, that cedar is all over this bad boy. Uh, man, there's something that I'm there's something that I'm it's an interesting note, but I'm not quite nailing it down on my uh, on, on the retro hell uh, I do know this That my beer is a bad pairing For this cigar I would Well I'll wait till We get to there
1: uh, No why don't we just Jump in there Tut um, Because I think my beer Is actually My beer is actually A pretty good pairing It just sucks that Well when you hear What my beer is You'll understand What I'm dealing with uh, Yak boy Our resident beer expert Co-owner and the Ted Danson of O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas,
3: tell us. Making your way to Temple today, take everything <laughs> you got. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I'm gonna have to tune into this Just Tub podcast. Seems like you might have a lot of fun over there. Um, as always, folks, we used to drink the same beer and compare notes. One of the cool things to come out of uh, us having to do this Zoom format show from quarantine is we all pick different beers, and we can have three different pairing experiences and see who comes out the winner in the end. Um, Yak Boy, yeah, uh, Tud is not happy with his beer pairing. What is his beer? He, well, he did, he did choose a, a very good brewery, Adelbert's. Uh, in Austin, Ada uh, Works started back in 2011. Uh, they have made numerous, many wonderful, tasty beers. Uh, we had one actually all the way back on episode 49, mm-hmm. the Naked Nun.
3: That's right. Oh, that was oh,
1: that movie. was uh, that the artists,
3: Artis. the Shannon Tweed movie,
1: Shannon Tweed Western.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is having the traveling man.
1: Not the traveling man. The traveling man. Traveling man. The IPA, uh, six point four percent ABV, and they—I I couldn't find any info on the IBU. So I I'm saw something assume... around
3: fifty-five. Oh, sorry. Okay, so,
1: well, I mean, they—they they did say you know it was more, you know, it's it's American style, but it. it it's more more of the New England style, so it's it's a lighter, yeah. It, it's and and they do a and it's sort of like a, a, a special batch beer that kind of make a new one every year, so it's it's very different. So I couldn't find. I was trying to find what they had specifically done with this one, but I couldn't.
2: Right. Because it's
1: so new. This is like. But other than that, I was like, I was going to wonder what what are you tasting.
3: Well, I I don't an
1: IPA.
3: I saw I saw something somewhere, like either like a total wine or something like one of the rating deals that they they're placing this at fifty five. I'm not I'm not a good enough IPA drinker to to be able to accurately tell you that. Uh because I know you guys are like, No, 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 that's undersold or that's oversold. Uh it's not very it's not very bitter. It's got a little hint of bitterness, but it's not It's not very bitter. I actually like this IPA a lot. I think it's a great beer. I was enjoying the heck out of it, uh, you know, from from before the podcast and and on through it. And I still enjoy the heck out of it. But it's just a little bit too distinct for the cigar. Uh, It's not playing with it, it's not adding anything with it. Uh, It's literally like going, just going through its own little lane. And I would really like something. closer to a red or or maybe a mexican lager uh that would be a cinco de mayo with a mexican lager
2: it um, is cinco de mayo
3: is that i mean something in that kind of vein uh would be very very good uh dial down that bitterness um not necessarily extremely malt heavy, but amp up the malt a little bit, get you something a little bit of warm flavor to nestle in with this cigar, and I think that would be awesome. Let that cedar note go over the top of your uh, uh, over the top of your beer flavors. I think that that would be a great great pairing, and hopefully one of you guys has it.
1: I I do. I have that heavy heavy maltiness um, and sweetness in my beer. It's bringing up the sweetness that was only alluded to on the cold draw that I don't believe it's actually present in the cigar, but the beer's bringing it out. Um, as you said, that m- the malty component is what you want with this cigar. Uh, it's playing really nice with the spice on the nose and that cedar. Um, I think this is a really good pairing. Uh, I'm going with this one first, Yak Boy. Ah, the Waldo's. Uh, we, should, we should say Tut uh his pairing, the traveling man, our hero in tonight's movie, is a traveling man. That
3: is so correct. you get points.
1: You get points, there. you get points
3: there. And I don't wanna I don't want to poo on the beer. It's actually a really, really good beer. Yeah,
1: you just didn't like it with, you liked it before you lit up. That makes sense. Uh I should say my my beer I just went because our movie is Willie's Wonderland and my beer is uh the Waldos And I just went with the W theme.
3: (laughs) It was actually hard to pair this beer.
1: yeah,
3: (coughs) Or pair this movie, I should say.
1: Uh, Uh, Go ahead, yes. The Waldo's uh, made by uh, Lagunitas. Of course, we are no strangers to the Lagunitas brewery. Uh, I mean, just most recently, I did the... Hazy Memory, when we hear a couple episodes ago when we did the Destination Wedding. Yeah. So they make good stuff. And, of course, like I said, we've done the little something-something. And Lagunita sucks on previous episodes. Uh, The Waldos is a triple IPA. Triple. It might be our first triple IPA on the show. It could be. Yeah. It could be. Uh, and that puts it up in the 11.7% ABV. You got a triple You're,
3: IPA. Are you saying that it's like a triple, as in like the Belgian triples mixed no. in an IPA? Or just Ooh. a hopped up?
1: Hopped IPA? up. It is 11.7 ABV, and they rate it at 100
3: IBUs. But yeah, is yeah, it you know. 100 IBUs?
1: No, it is not. Like you said, Todd.
3: I was about to say, uh, you're talking about all the malts.
1: Yak Boy and I can discern accurately the IBUs in the beer down by about two, one one and a half, two, per, two points. Uh, and that'll it's hold up. At least up, an 80. That'll hold up in a laboratory. <laughs> I would actually put this one. Man, it is really good. But that sweetness and the maltiness is what you recognize first. It does have a warm kind of washed over hoppiness in the back. I wouldn't even call it a hot bite. Dude, I would put this at, if they really want to stretch it, I'll give them 77. That's close to 80. But it is delicious. And it is bringing out some wonderful things in the cigar, uh, like I said. So I'm, I'm not complaining, but hundred over 100 IBUs, get out of here. Come on. I expect better from you, Lagunitas.
3: Yeah, no doubt.
1: And you can go ahead and tell them. My, my second beer was a little bit better pairing-wise. I'm not going to drink this again, Yax, because it, it was terrible. It's the Lagunitas uh, Hazy Wonder, like Willie's Wonderland that we're doing. Of course, of course. But dude, it, it tasted almost carbonated, like fruit soda, like a citrus soda. It was, it, was not, it was not good. It was not good. So, Yax, you don't even have to tell us about it. Okay. I'm not going to drink it on the show. But I get pairing Yeah, I did all the work for finding out about the beers for nothing. That's okay, you know. I can, I can, I can eat it. It's fine. Hey, what if I told you you could talk about the doctor's beer right now? All right, I'll take that. It's a colorful can, baby. Just like the doctor, he's a colorful guy. It is colorful. It's so colorful. It's a cornucopia of color. The good doctor having the from the Saint. Arnold brewing company out of good Houston Texas Houston. started back in wonderful 1994 one of the oldest and older craft breweries in good in Texas so granddaddy
3: but you don't think it was uh, up on the peach pit right I think that was right after the peach pit 94 yeah yeah that would have been on the wall at the after dark
1: oh, sure. okay he had all the micro brews. The uh, St. Arnold, the the Summer Pills is a 4.9% ABV, and of course, being a Pills, it only comes in around 20 IBUs, which is typical for the style. But we are also know we know a little bit about St. Arnold's. We did all the way back when we reviewed Hooper. Yeah, good stuff. I should have my Burt Reynolds left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did Saint Arnold did we do for Hooper? i uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there.
3: Did we do Saint? Did we do Saint Arnold's lawnmower for uh, Camp Bobby Love?
1: No, we did the uh, the the art car. Oh, okay. Because because they, they were driving the car.
3: Yeah, that's all right.
2: No, that's we it, did the lawnmower. Not,
1: that sounds like us. We did the art car because that scene where he's driving a car. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm a I think we did do the lawnmower. It was, a, he was he was was a lawnmower? I'm pretty yeah, sure he, we did. Yeah, he was a
3: lawnmower. He was a lawn jockey. You know, he was like dra- yeah. cutting people's lawns. Uh, well, I got to tell you.
1: Wait. Hooper? No, not Hooper. <laughs> Cooper wasn't mowing anybody's grass. He was
3: kicking ass. Oh, he was mowing grass all right. Mowing lawn. <laughs> uh, I can't hey,
2: do that. That was
3: <laughs>
1: um, No, I got to tell you, when when I was uh, living in Houston, St. Arnold's, their tap room was in their loading dock of their warehouse, and it was about four picnic tables, and they had a wall of like six taps, and uh. I went there a lot for events and and stuff, and you know it was like ten people milling around, blah blah blah. We went there right before COVID hit, uh, about you know two years ago or so. Mike, mm-hmm. have you been there, Yaks? That place, yes. huge. No, they made they made a giant beer hall. It is it can hold that. I, I I think it easily hold two thousand people. Yes. No. I mean, literally, it's like a hundred. They. It, it's like German beer hall style. It is literally like hundred foot tables. Sweet. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a park for the kids, and the beer line is twenty people deep constantly, and they have a restaurant certain food. Like they over the you know over the last fifteen years they have just completely skyrocketed. So that's that's really cool to see. Um, I guess Yakboy, yeah, we have one more beer. Your beer. I have a beer. Well, you've been talking you kind of crazy, so you're I do have a beer. over there,
4: but I guess I'll just go ahead and jump in with it. I chose it because of the colorfulness of the can, because I thought that the interior of Willy's Wonderland was very colorful, uh, so it kind of reminded me of the interior color scene of Willy's, um, volunteering that on my own.
1: No, uh, well, no, doctor, doctor, you can't fault me for that, because over the last many weeks, you... Told me you just went into the grocery store and grabbed a beer with no thought pairing wise, so I just kind of gave it, I, I just kind of moved on. But, not always the case. You're right. This movie is very colorful, and that beer can, when you got, when you sent us the picture of what you're drinking tonight, it's an incredibly vibrant, uh, colorful beer can. So good job, sir.
4: Also, I wasn't asked if it was any good or not, but I will just volunteer this. I can see this being good with any kind of cigar because it's a pills. Uh-huh. So I don't see how it would either augment in any way or detract in any way from a cigar. I think you would get a very honest cigar experience. This would do nothing to spoil or augment it. How heavy uh, is it? Very light. Oh. And it's called a summer pills. So I could see if you were having a Memorial Day cookout. Uh, some burgers or some Earl Campbell's links. I can see going through about 10, 12 of these bad boys while you're having a meal like this that. This is
3: the way I look at it. They're in Houston, Texas, where in August it's like a 100 with 99% humidity, and it feels like crap the moment you get up. If anybody knows how to make a summer pills. They probably have a pretty good no no notion.
2: If I was
4: playing golf in Houston in the dead dog days of summer, uh, I I could go for some summer. Pill. That was
2: my
3: next question, Doctor. Would this be a go-to
1: golf course beer?
4: In the summer, and it's a summer pills, absolutely.
1: Okay. Yak boy, what are you drinking? I'm having the wonderful. Electric jellyfish.
3: Okay. All right.
1: From Pint House Pizza, Group Hub and Pizzeria in Aust
3: located in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay.
1: That's a, that's a new one. I haven't heard of those. No. I haven't
3: heard of them either. This is kind of oh, actually, I've seen. I've actually seen the beer, but I haven't. The uh, electric jellyfish is very highly
1: rated. Everybody loves it. And I have had it long many moons ago, and of course went over to a local place and saw that they had an actual four-pack of the cans, and I was jumped on it, like, all right, I'm going to get this. And I was like, well, I don't know if I can actually say it it really ties in with the movie, but other than, like, you know, our movie has some electric animatronic. It's just terrible. I know, but I (laughs) I just wanted the beer. You know what? I'm not apologizing for what I said tonight. I, you should. <laughs> you Should. Uh, electric jellyfish. he uh- <laughs> <laughs> J- totally went for my thing. I'm just a moron. And I- <laughs> with Joe Ro- Joe Rogan, I'm like that is so refreshing. With Yax, I'm like you fucking idiot.
2: <laughs> you disgust me.
1: You make me sick. Uh, is it good? What's the what dates? Kind of- what are the dates? Yeah, give us the details, brother. It is very good. It is. It is a hazy IPA. You can see from the oh, okay. cloudy. Man, those are so hit or miss with me. My hazy IPA tonight was total dog shit. This one is actually really good. I mean, a lot of people hype it, say blah blah blah, but it it actually is a. It's really good. Six and a half percent ABV. I couldn't find anything on their IBUs. I don't know why. If it's like a you know family secret or something, but I won't. It's more of the a lighter New England style, so I think that's maybe why more people like it because it's not so hop forward. I would probably put it in the fifty range. Is it going good with the cigar? It actually it goes really well with the cigar. I'm, I'm so far I'm really liking it. Okay. Um, so we'll see as we move through this cigar, which also the cigar is very good. It is, but I, I gotta be honest it's a pretty straightforward uh, beast. I'm getting the spice and a little bit of leather on the retrohale, and then man that cedar is just so prominent on that draw. Um, it's a beautiful cedar, but between the the spice and the undercurrent of leather on the draw on the retrohale and that cedar that's about all I'm getting. What about you Ted? I
3: was about to say um, am I the only one getting a little bit of a toasted marshmallow note on the retrohale? I'm getting, I'm getting a sweet, you know, like you
1: said initially, you get, you got that fig, and now it, I was like, it was a kind of a, a fruit sweetness, but now it's like,
3: I guess you know, you mentioned, you know, marshmallow.
1: I'm gonna go like it's graham, but it's not.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's kind of floating through that, through that graham as well.
1: Right, but it's, it's, it's very subtle for me. Yeah, but I, yeah. that's the one. I'm going to agree with the cedar. I mean, that's still very much that leather, but I'm not like the the spiciness
2: I'm is very a lot of dialed the spi- down. Yeah, I mean, I there was a little.
1: I mean, there was a little bit there, but it wasn't for me. And now that's very. It's very low, and so I'm getting just that sort of that cedar, that leather, and that little bit of that that Graham sweetness. It's, doctor doctor they're getting uh big newtons and toasted marshmallows and things that I'm not getting in this cigar and I got to be honest it's kind of triggering me it's making me feel a little bit uncomfortable and unsafe i could think, the i sorry.
2: think
1: i think they should apologize are you with me on this
4: before i render an opinion on that Mr. Cade, could the uh tones of sweetness, the figs, the marshmallows, could that be a result of the cyanide that you dipped them in before you sent them to them?
1: Well, only one got the poison cigar.
4: Okay, well that refutes that theory then. There's a Do you think do you think that Cody's maybe having a placebo? <laughs> there
1: goes Tut. I'm i I'm just gonna be a spoiler. <laughs> I killed Tut.
4: So much for Just Todd.
1: He mouthed off a little too many times. Boy, did I
0: hitch my horse to the wrong wagon.
2: (laughs) Uh, Just be a man
0: and stand your. Can't
2: stand now, can
1: you? you
4: apologize for that little bit of business.
1: (laughs) Just be a man. uh... Uh, I mean, you know, hey, he knows I'm just a drunk moron. (laughs) We all know that. We'll be fine tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and That's always the kind of beautiful thing about us. Whenever one of us acts like a goddamn idiot, it's always fine tomorrow. We'll be okay tomorrow.
2: <laughs>
1: I guess you think that. Well, that leads us, boys, to the third component of what we do here on the Tuesday Night Star Club, the film. Oh, yeah. And just for Tut, he had a big problem with my movie last week. So I know he likes current topical films. And finally, this one dropped from a $20 rental fee. I was about to, to say, th-
3: don't you tell me I wasn't the, eye, the only one eyeing this thing.
1: No, I've been eyeing it for a long time, but it was a $20 rental forever. And yeah, then it just know. dropped down to 3 bucks. So I'm like, all right, we'll do it.
3: Yeah, I'm not paying 20 bucks for this.
1: Willie's Wonderland, 2021. The film is written by a guy named Geo Parsons. <laughs> And it's directed by a dude named Kevin Lewis, who's directed a few things prior to tonight's movie. But the only one I've seen is 2003's Malibu Spring Break. Which, as you can probably guess by the title, I was drinking heavily while watching the film. So I remember absolutely nothing about it. I can't tell you if it was any good or not. Was there a spring break? And was it in Malibu? (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) Doctor, you're with me on this. When we watch these movies, you can't ask us questions the next day. These are day drinking movies, and
4: they're day drinking movies when you started drinking in the morning. So yeah, Malibu Spring Break is
1: <laughs> these, these movies are like uh, the 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 robbers in Heat. I'm Pacino. They're ghosts. <laughs> but you watched that movie six hours ago. It's a ghost. These movies are good. You know what he's looking at? You know what he's looking at? I got no fucking idea because I was drunk. Malibu Spring Break is a ghost.
4: I had malt liquor with Cade half an hour ago.
1: <laughs> sayonara, sayonara, motherfuckers. Does he say sayonara, motherfuckers in that movie? I think so. <laughs> I always got I I got it from Hot Dog the movie, the Japanese skier. But I, I think uh, sayonara, motherfuckers,
3: Doc is gone. <laughs> if he didn't, right, it sounds right, like something he, he'd but say. He's gone. He's passed out. He's watching Bikini Car Wash. He's a
1: ghost. The official logline for Willy's Wonderland is this. Tell me if you guys agree with it. A quiet drifter is tricked into a janitorial job at the now-condemned Willy's Wonderland. The mundane tasks suddenly become an all-out fight for survival against wave after wave of demonic animatronics, Fist fly, kicks land, titans clash, and only one side will make it out alive. I don't, I don't really think that's a good synopsis, but I thought it was, I I thought it was they, were abs- they were correct. He's not a drifter. He was quiet. A, dr- <laughs> a drifter is a homeless guy wearing clothes he's had on for months. Not During, necessarily. During, how, do you know he's,
3: how do you know he's got a home? And those clothes look like he has been wearing them for months. He has a new He's a behind. modern drifter. Exactly. The modern
1: in, drifter. A, in a sports car. He's a nomad. Not he's to a get a name. Upon the open road. A Ronin.
3: A nomad.
4: Much, but we don't know what he is, and we never
1: really find out.
3: And I love that. We'll get to that,
1: obviously. So let's just dive into this thing. We start things off with a man and a woman both wearing Willie's Wonderland t-shirts as they're chased through a maze of hallways until the man is eventually grabbed by the ankles by something. We don't see what it is. And he's dragged away from his wife screaming. And then the woman stumbles into a dilapidated restaurant area where she's eventually killed off screen. As she screams, we see bright red blood splatter across a, across a television set. Where the animatronic characters from Willie's Wonderland Fun Center are singing along to a Happy Birthday promotional video. I gotta admit, as an opening scene in a film, I was—I thought it was lame, and it left me very unimpressed. Boring.
2: It's your birthday.
1: I thought everything about it was lame. It was just a boring. very
3: boring,
1: very lame opening scene.
3: I, have, I actually absolutely agree with you.
1: Okay. Next up, as the credits roll, we're introduced to the one and only Nicholas Cage, as he's speeding down a country road in his souped-up Chevy Camaro. He suddenly blows all his tires out. Some teenagers stole some road spikes from the cops, he's later told. (laughs) And as he chugs an energy drink from his trunk, a friendly tow truck driver named Jed just happens to be driving down the road, and he's more than happy to give... Nicholas Cage at tow to the nearest town, Hayesville. As we see the road sign, Home, Hayesville, Home of Willie's Wonderland. Meanwhile, in Hayesville, a beautiful young woman named Liv has doused Willie's Wonderland Fun Center in gasoline and is about to burn the fucker down when police arrive on the scene and arrest her instead. Man, this director loves introducing characters by the boots they're wearing. When Cage (laughs) steps out of his Camaro, we got a close-up of the boots. We go up, This chick's got her Doc Martin boots. We see those first. He goes up. That's his thing. You
3: love a good pan-up shot.
1: So it turns out that the local sheriff chains live up to a pipe in a trailer home to keep her out of trouble for the night. And when they get back to his garage, which is littered with missing persons posters and abandoned cars, that's never a good sign, right, Doctor, in these movies?
4: No, it isn't.
1: Uh, The tow truck driver estimates the damage to Nick Cage's Camaro at well over $1,000. And naturally, he doesn't accept credit cards, as Hayesville has no internet, so also the ATM machine doesn't work. So he asks Cage if he'd be willing to work off the debt, and our hero nods yes.
3: Okay, I can already tell where Cage is on this movie, because... We are flying through this, and if it was like some little crappy 80s TNA deal, we'd be spending five minutes per one minute of video. Uh, So I am pretty sure that. uh... Shut your mouth.
2: (laughs) All right. Kate hates this.
3: All right, so I like I like the truck driver dude. I thought he was fun, a little bit stereotypical and flat, but he made good conversation. It was
1: fun. He talks nonstop. Nicholas Cage says nothing. This guy's just flapping his gums, talking away. All
2: right. Did you think at I, one point that the truck? He, he wasn't driver, bad.
1: The tow truck driver was not bad. He he was a fine character. I'll give you that.
4: I I thought he was, reminded me like if Vincent D'Onofrio quit caring about life. <laughs>
1: In yeah. a very donofrio
4: esque kind of look and, and sound to him.
1: That is a fitting synopsis of this character, yes. Nick Cage is dropped off at Willie's Wonderland Fun Center, where he's greeted by Tex McAdoo. What a name. Tex McAdoo. The white blazer and white cowboy hat wearing owner of the fun center. The fun center that has graffiti all over it reading Kid Killer
3: and Gateway to Hell. Bulldoze this building. And bulldoze. Please, someone bulldoze this building. Tex says that
1: while business ain't what it used to be, <laughs> he's planning on reopening Willie's Wonderland soon, and if Cage spends the night inside cleaning up the place, Tex will pay to have his car fixed and waiting for him first thing in the morning. Cage, who still hasn't spoken a word ten minutes into the film, reluctantly shakes Tex McAdoo's hand and accepts the deal.
0: Good luck, mister,
1: the tow-tuck driver, Jed, chuckles. Tex and Nick Cage walk inside the rundown shithole, and Tex plays a promotional video on a TV screen where Willie the Weasel, Wonderland's head mascot, introduces all of his supporting cast of lovable friends. There's Artie the Alligator, Siren Sarah, Cammy the Chameleon, Gus Gorilla, Nighty Knight who, of course, is a, a knight, uh, Ozzy the Ostrich, and Tuttle the Turtle. I'm sorry, Tito the Turtle.
3: Oh, wait.
1: Oh. Tito the Turtle. That's a turtle wearing a sombrero. <laughs> hey, it's, it's Cinco de mile.
4: Gus the Gorilla and Artie the Alligator look like they'd be fun to party with.
1: I'd party with Artie the Alligator. The characters are intercut with shots on the video of families having a blast playing in the ball pits. They're eating fresh hot dogs. Uh, the usual stuff, you see, it's almost identical, Doctor, I'll see if you remember this, you actually might, to the showbiz pizza chain that was a big thing. Showbiz, in the yeah. I think we had one in Temple, uh, where we grew up. Uh, oh, you I mean think we...
3: like the characters themselves?
1: No, it was, a, it was an animatronic band on stage. Yeah, so it's like a Chuck E. Cheese. Showbiz got bought out by Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, and gotcha. They, they got rid of the animatronic yeah. band, but... Showbiz Well, I do actually, remember Showbiz. Showbiz actually had a big oversized animals, a band on a stage that would sing songs. Yeah. There was one by Choo Choo's hamburgers in the hometown we grew up in. Um, uh, about a year after I moved to our, our little hometown, Texas, it disappeared. Um now I'm starting to remember. My,
4: it. I had my eight year old uh, <laughs> eight year old birthday party was at Chuck E. Cheese.
1: But Chuck E. Cheese was just that big fucking mouse. That no, they actually of...
4: had like a well, yeah, no, they had Mr. Munch. Yeah, Mr. They Munch. Had, was they had like an animatronic band around, grabbing children in appropriate ways. They had a band up on the on the yeah. stage. Oh,
1: did
2: they? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, doc- doctor, Mister Mister Munch is your Tinder profile name, isn't it? Or did I get that wrong?
4: You your notes. What do they say next? Huh?
1: <laughs> Tex McAdoo explains... Now my Tinder profile is Tex McAdoo from now on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Yakboy's Facebook profile. He's completely reinvented his life. Uh, Tex McAdoo explains that some little shits years ago climbed up on the animatronic characters. They got hurt, yada, yada, yada. Several lawsuits later, the whole place got shut down. He shows Cage the Jander's closet, Tells him to help himself to any food in the kitchen on the house. Oh, great. A 10-year-old hot dog. I can have that. (laughs) And he wishes him luck. That's the second time between Jed and Tex McAdoo, this dude's been wished luck cleaning this fucking Willie's Wonderland. Then Tex McAdoo walks out the front door and locks the janitor inside with a giant chain and padlock. He strolls over to Jed, the tow truck driver, and he attempts to light the world's ugliest cigar. Did you see that cigar he tried to light? Oh God, it oh, was like terrible. terrible. The
3: wrapper was
1: hanging off and in three like,
3: different places. This was cracked and just it shredding. Was just cracked and like missing. It was like uh, it's like a it's like a cigar that hasn't seen a humidor in fifteen years. It's been in his pocket for literally a
1: decade. He's trying to light it. Finally, gives up and he throws his Zippo letter across parking lot. Let's get out of here, he says. I can't stand to hear a grown man scream. That that's not a good sign.
3: It's I, I I agree with him.
1: You don't like hearing a grown man scream?
3: I don't like hearing me scream.
1: I was gonna say you're the only grown man I've heard scream. And that's when that kid kicked over your Burger King coffee in the Orlando airport.
3: <laughs>
0: You almost got it from the no-fly list.
3: Kid had it coming.
1: So our hero is now inside the building, and I am still getting bold, really unique, delicious cedar on the draw. I'm still getting that spice through the nose with a little hint of leather. Are you guys still getting Fig Newtons and fucking
3: s'mores? No, I'm, I'm not. Uh...
2: Maybe <laughs> No,
1: maybe. You are.
3: You are. You're getting no, the, cool. uh, the uh, uh, that, Did
4: you say Yaks McAdoo? <laughs> the, Yaks the, McAdoo.
3: The cedar is the cedar is really uh really prominent across that draw. Uh man, I am still getting the sweetness there and yeah, it's like a little toasted marshmallow on the very it's very faint. It's very on the retro ale. It's only on that, so yeah, you know, it's kind it's kinda nice.
1: I it sounds nice. I I, I like what I'm getting. I'm not getting that. Uh okay. I
3: will well, say I'll this, it's an easy, easy retro ale cigar.
1: Yeah, no, when I say spice, it's it's not a it's 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 spicy, but it's a it's a very it's a very enjoyable spice and man, it is going great with the sweetness and the maltiness in this triple IPA I'm drinking. I this this beer really works with a cigar. Todd, are you still? It's not. Yeah, it's really? it's
3: not, and it's a it's a shame because it's a really really good beer, and I'm gonna look forward to drinking it again. Uh, but yeah, not with the cigar. I'd I'd really like something a little bit malt forward, uh, or even just a little tamp down. Like I said, I'd, I'd really like to try a Pacifico, maybe a Mahi, uh, uh, Bohemia, uh, uh, even try to go a little darker with a Negro Modelo. We'll try to see that. Did you notice how yeah. I worked in all of the Cinco de Mayo beers that I know? Yeah, what's a Bohemia? That's uh, a Mexican Lager. Bohemia. I mean, yeah. Oh, I don't
1: know that one. Yak Boys, your hazy IPA still playing nice?
3: It is very much
1: so. I like it. Okay, I like it a lot. All right. Well, I will come back to it as always. As live the the stunning. I mean, I thought this chick was really cute. Man, uh, it's
3: weird. She has. A unique look to where she almost looks like an anime character at times.
1: Well, she, she's got chipmunk cheeks. She's got really big chipmunk cheeks. Like She's got a bunch of nuts in her Huge mouth.
3: Huge eyes. Doctor. Uh, you're the one who said it. <laughs> very attractive young lady. Acorns. Way. Acorns. She, yeah, she's, she, she's very, very good looking. As Liv...
1: Uh, with a mouthful of acorns, is broken free from captivity in the trailer home by a group of her 20-something friends. The Jander has put on his baby blue Willy's Wonderland t-shirt and started cleaning. He's watched Dude, Nick Cage is washing
3: dishes. He's mopping floors. Cade hates this movie so much. He didn't say shit about the friends. He just blasted right through all that. Uh, I'm not going to
1: mention the friends' names. I'm not going to mention anything. Dude, they're the most stereotyped. We've seen these fuckers in every movie we've ever done. I'm not going to waste any time on this dude.
2: Okay. I will, take, I will
4: take a brief moment to say what Cade agrees with completely without even needing to hear him because we've known each other our whole lives and Cade completely agrees with what I'm about to say. The friends are worthless. There is no point to them. Didn't I mean, say that. Thank I guess, doctor. I guess, well, no, because I'm already wasting time. They, there,
2: there's
1: the, there's the, the black guy with the white girlfriend who, who chews bubble gum and blows bubbles and he finds that sexy. That's been in a million horror movies. There's the it nerdy guy. Matter. There's the, 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 the other African American guy with, with nerdy glasses who's kind of uncomfortable with everything. We and get that, to
4: know none of them. We get to know none of know, them.
1: Except we don't know their names. I don't give a shit about them. Briefly,
4: we get to know Liv. We get to know something about Liv, but otherwise, this is body count fodder. And even in, even in a movie <laughs> like Friday right the Thirteenth Part Four, at least you get to know. At least you get to know some people. At least you get to know Crispin Glover's character. At least yes. you get to know Teddy the dead fuck. At least you get yes. to know them a little bit. This You get nothing here, and I don't even really want to know. their body won't count know, fodder. I won't know, and,
1: and I'm not going to let you know. Them. And you're right. They're just body count fodder. That's a great term. You make my cigar fall out of my fucking mouth. They're body count fodder.
3: And... The fact that Tut would like me to delve more into that. I I I just was making an observation. What are you listening to me for? I'm just
2: a podcaster
3: here. I'm just a podcast moron.
4: Cade was right. (laughs) I was wrong. We should have passed over it totally. I just needed to say it. I knew you totally agreed with me. These people are worthless. And they're <laughs> they're, on, they're only in it to get killed. I'm I'll just
3: saying we're a we movie podcast. We criticize <laughs> some stuff, so let's do we, some fucking criticism. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you hate
1: for one of these actors, like their <laughs> their grandma or something? Like, I googled your name, and there's a podcast that talks about your movies. Like, oh really? Like, he's worthless. He's he's a piece of crap. I'm not even gonna mention the guy's name. He's so all
4: right, fine, expendable.
1: Okay. You would at least hope they would at least number them. You're going to be number three. That's when you'll be, you're, you're going to die third. You're going to die fourth. They should I have numbered. They should have names. They should have numbers in the order they die. Agreed, Jaguar.
4: I do not blame the performers themselves, even though in the actual performances they were allowed, they didn't really show anything.
1: No, they didn't but, shine, but they also didn't. They also didn't. They didn't nothing to do. They didn't shine, but they didn't tank. They did what they were asked to do, which was absolutely nothing.
4: Exactly. And I knew you'd agree with me. And I'm sorry that I wasted three minutes of everyone's lives.
1: Hey, you gave Tut what he wanted. (laughs) He wanted to see these young young thespians
3: recognized. That's right. That's right. Who's to say
4: what they could do were they given different material? I like Bubblegum
3: Girl. I thought she brought a cinematic... uh, Joy de Vive to the scene. Uh, like, she brought uh two like, things.
1: She I'm brought great. two things. Two things to the screen. Yeah, she did. And this dumbass director didn't show them to us.
4: Yeah. Well, three. She had a nice ass. She uh ass. I'll, yes. I'll say this for Bubblegum Girl. She there as far as the characters, there's actually some sort of character written for her? Uh I don't Is there? care. It doesn't. Yeah, she's bubblegum girl who's kind of whorish. It. I, I'll okay. say. I'll yeah. say this. She actually tries to do something. She's not allowed to do very much. Uh, I didn't a, mind her. It's a very attractive young woman. She just, yeah. in the context of the movie, along with the other characters who make up what I'm just going to refer to as Liv's friends. Because I really have trouble differentiating between them at this point.
3: No, I like Body Cow Father. I I thought that was
4: pretty good. That's what they are. They they really make no sense.
1: Well, instead of the 20-somethings, I will call them from now on the Death Count Father. And you would think a guy... Now I realize why I don't remember anything about Malibu Spring Break. Because the way he treated the hot-ass bubblegum girl, I'm guessing that's how he treated the chicks in Malibu Spring Break, and that's why I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. So where was I? Oh, yeah. Nick Cage, washing ditches, mopping floors. He's scrubbing the dirt off the crane machine at the arcade that goes down and grabs stuff. Man, he's meticulous. He's going to town. And while we see the animatronic band on stage move ever so slightly behind him, he doesn't, but he stops. He senses it. There's all these huge fuzzy creatures on stage, and they make these subtle little moves. Yes, yes, Todd
3: couple of show notes uh before going on uh they do it later on but right now i really do appreciate that they didn't montage this scene uh they this could have been an easy uh uh cleaning montage and they didn't oh, we, we get, there.
1: We get two of those later
3: they go they do come in later but at least this one they didn't do it and i appreciated that they didn't do it also i really like the uh sound development here the uh the soundscape that's going on all the cleaning noises is kind of pumped up a little bit and you get a lot of that high tension noise that
2: <laughs>
3: and all the just the cleaning scrapes and scraps in there kind of gets you a little bit of tension built up into it It's supposed to be a horror movie so come on give me some horror stuff and they try to do it there I don't know whether it was accident or not but I like the fact that they created a little bit of tension with the noise. I didn't get that
1: tension, but I'm glad you did. Um, I'm gonna compare this movie to another one later where I thought the sound design was much superior, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that point. Um, the janitor also follows Tex McAdoo's advice. Take plenty of breaks. And he does. First of all, that's a boss I can get behind. (laughs) Yes. Pace Whatever yourself. You do, take lots of breaks. Pace yourself. Okay. Every 15 minutes, another beer. Uh, so, when, so he sets his watch timer to go off. And every time his watch beeps, he goes into the kitchen. He cracks open a punch energy drink. Punch break. The can- no, break pop. No,
3: punch pop. Punch pop. Punch pop. Punch
1: pop. Punch pop. Punch pop. Enough caffeine to knock, your, knock you in the teeth, or something like that, the uh, can says. At 20 minutes into the split, Cage still hasn't said a word. Were y'all thinking at this point, like I was, that we were seeing the opposite of Destination Wedding? Where in that movie, the two leads, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, were the only ones who talked. Did you think that perhaps he was never going to say a word in this movie? Yeah. Or that, uh, Put it off as long as they
3: could. I, I knew that. I knew that by, or at least my my suspicion at this point was that either he wouldn't say anything, or at the very end he would say like a little line or that type of I, thing. I,
1: I thought he would talk at the very end. At this point, but. I didn't
3: mind it. You know, Nicholas Cage is known for going over the top and going crazy. Cage, so I thought that I was like, oh, they're gonna go for crazy. Cage without saying a word. I'm kind of interested. I want to see what's going on.
1: Okay. Uh, well, we'll see where that leads. As he resumes his mopping duties. All right, Oz- hang
3: on, because I sent you a text and you didn't respond to me. There was a scene, and it just happened, just in this one thing. As
1: he cracks open his first energy drink in the kitchen, there's a weird. It's almost like they they would they would call it a an accordion shot in the old days, where the camera moves one way as the tripod moves another. It's, a, it's a, It creates a, a kind of a obscure zoom effect. Um, that's what it used to be called. You, you'd pull the tripod back.
3: Yeah, while you're zooming as forward. It,
1: as it zoomed in.
3: I didn't see. I didn't interpret it that way.
1: And he sees this, this thing in the kitchen covered with a blanket. But it's a very weird camera lens shot. And it, he finds it underneath. It is the pinball machine.
3: I couldn't tell what was going on because I interpreted it this way. I see you get a close up of the can. You see him look over to the, uh, to the, uh, to the pinball, the covered pinball machine. The moment, you, the moment he turns to that deal, they rack focus from him to the pinball machine. But then there's this weird warp that that hits it, and it's literally like a warp that goes well, across it- the screen.
1: Yeah, you sent me that, and I don't know what was up with it. I, it seemed intentional in that scene. Yeah. Because the pinball machine is very important to him. We'll learn later. But later on, there's a wide shot of Willie's Wonderland where it was also warped, where the parking lot was kind of curved. Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and there was another... one
1: of, the, one of the, It made one of the cars look like a, a Hot Wheels car. They did so, the
3: same thing with uh, the initial wide shot of him going against Willie.
1: And I honestly think it was a fuck up. A cheap lens
3: or something that the, or something that they tried to do in post? It well, I,
1: I think it was a, a fuck up shooting that they couldn't fix in post. Why wouldn't you
3: fix Seaweed? it? Seaweed! Something in the lens.
2: <laughs> Seaweed. Something <laughs> in the lens.
1: Dude, the doctor busted in with the Jaws two city councilman.
2: <laughs>
1: Dude, I, I think it was a, a cinematography fuck up because that wide shot in the end Yeah it could where be the rat- the yeah. ground is curved, and it makes one of the cars look tiny. And it's like that—that's not the way this should look. I can just you, see
3: myself coming, uh, Cade. Uh, I've got—I need you to look at something. Well, no, no, no. I have—I have a couple
1: of those shots in my movie Underbug that we—we we fucked up cinematography-wise. And there's some shit you can't fix. Yeah. And okay. you're, in the
3: editing. All right. you're, in,
1: you're in the editing room, and guess what? Willy's Wonderland doesn't exist anymore. You can't go back and get a better shot of it, so you're like, well, if you need this shot, this is the best we can do. Okay, well, that truck looks like a toy truck. Just do it. Just go with it. They've already watched the fucking movie. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, but this movie, I don't know. But it but it wasn't interesting. At, this, at least in this scene, it could be something interesting to reveal that pinball machine. Yeah. But the other ones are just, I think, technical fuck-ups. Okay. Typical technical fuck-ups. Um, as he resumes his mopping duties, Ozzie the Ostrich casually walks up behind the janitor and tells him he's going to feast on his face. And then he pecks a rather large gash in the janitor's cheek, which our boy doesn't take to very kindly. The janitor breaks his mop handle in half and uses the two sticks as weapons To completely destroy the maniacal giant bird, he eventually pulls out all the ostrich's mechanical guts out in victory. So now is when he heads for the door and attempts to get the fuck out of Willy's Wonderland, right? Wrong. The janitor just goes to the maintenance closet, gets a new t-shirt, as his is covered in blood, grease, and oil he puts the enormous ostrich in a garbage bag and places a piece of duct tape over the cut on his face. Then his watch beeps. So that means it's energy during time again. All right. At this point, I just like, I figured, Hey, he's going to say something. He's going to do something. (laughs)
2: Nope.
1: I mean, when he saw the giant fucking animatronic ostrich, It literally says, "I'm going to kill you." He didn't. Instead, he fucking smiles. You you didn't put that part in there where he just like, "Oh
3: yes, (laughs) yes, dance time, motherfuckers."
1: And he literally, and and you actually see it in the little animatronic ostrich face where it literally freaks out. Like, Uh normally its victims would be running and screaming. Instead, this guy's like, "Fuck you." It would have been great if he literally just jumped on the ostrich and started biting its face. But, you know. Hey, it's a Nick Cage movie in 2021. I wouldn't have have been surprised.
3: And it would have been more interesting than what we got.
1: it, It struck me. And I don't, you know, obviously this isn't. But I was like, all of a sudden, like, I'm seeing, like, what Nick Cage's character from mandy would be doing after he finished that and had a good night's sleep and he just hit the road man just hit the road i gotta clear my head <laughs> these animatronic monsters is that all i've seen worse It's a great point Yax. <laughs> that's pretty good it's <laughs> a great point if he if he just strolled into this world after mandy that would make total sense well, over at the sheriff's office, we see that uh, she's joined by – it's a female sheriff. She's joined by a state trooper who the elderly sheriff has requested to come in as backup support for the town's mandated curfew that evening. He can't wrap his head around why, the ta- why a town the size of a postage stamp would need his help, but he's glad to sip coffee and accept the double overtime. She tells him, as long as her red nine-one-one phone doesn't ring tonight, everything will be just fine.
3: Um, this makes. Uh, it's going to sound weird saying this is what makes no sense. Um, you're a town with a secret.
1: No, no, no. We'll get to that. I why she brought, Why she brought him here? Give me.
3: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. Give me that. Uh, I promise we'll get to it.
3: Because oh, if she explained it, then I missed it. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, no, no. She
1: never explains why she brought me here, but I'm going to get to oh. why you're like like me. Why the fuck would she bring him here? Okay. We'll get, okay. We'll get, we'll get to that. Uh, Back at Willie's Wonderland, we're treated to a super sped-up cleaning montage. There the we first- go first of several it's a montage where the janitor using only a single spray bottle and a rag cleans the entire restroom which is completely covered in paint graffiti And, and pissing graffiti dude the toilets are covered in caked in shit and piss the walls are covered in graffiti one bottle and a
3: rag he's got that stuff from Bruce Willis space movie <laughs> just it up. wait was that was that the name of an IPA that we had pissing graffiti
4: it should the band sounds like it sounds like we a show on that was a
1: I thought they o- band,
4: <laughs> piss graffiti.
1: I thought they overestimated the hops on that one yeah I
4: did. <laughs> you, you usually do though you usually think they've overestimated the hops
1: but dude this guy is good this bathroom comes out spotless but when he steps out of the bathroom because the animated band on stage has started playing the it's your birthday it's on He flicks the power switch on the wall to shut them Mm. up. He sees the restroom door swing open and close, so he heads back in there to investigate. Someone has written, It's your birthday, on one of his sparkling clean mirrors with red paint. And as the janitor squirts it with cleaning fluid and starts to clean off, a voice from one of the closed stall doors says, Let's play hide and seek. I bet you can't find me. I'm going to eat your eyes out and then feast on your soul. And then it does a distorted kind of cartoonish laugh. The voice continues to taunt him as the janitor kicks open all the stall doors. And it's in that last stall door that Gus Gorilla magically appears out of nowhere and attacks the janitor. They exchange punches until the janitor gets the upper hand by ramming a plunger into the giant gorilla's face over and over Tell again.
3: Tell me you didn't like the sound effect on that. I did. That was a good sound
0: effect. <laughs> that was good.
1: He then drags the big ape over to the urinals where Tony Soprano style he puts his face on the urinal and curb stomps the creature's face in, sending a huge wave of black robot oil all over the Jander's face and T-shirt. So you may have guessed it by now. Our hero goes in the maintenance closet, changes into a new baby blue Willy's Wonderland shirt, and uses his trusty duct tape to wrap around his broken ribs from that fight. He bags up the fuzzy remains of the gorilla carcass, and that's that. So we're now a third of the way through this movie, and the one thought that I had at this point was...
4: Why am I only a third of the way through this
2: movie?
1: (laughs) No. I thought after watching him beat up that gorilla in the bathroom, man, I bet this movie might be fun if you were
3: smoking weed. Probably.
1: A stoic Nicolas Cage pounding down energy drinks and killing robot animals with no backstory or explanation whatsoever would probably be much more enjoyable high as a kite because I watched it drinking copious amounts of bourbon, and at this point, I'm bored as hell. But I think if you're high, Doctor, is that a, is it? You're, you're telling me I'm right?
4: I watched it sober, tough guy. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I, I do not advocate the use of illegal narcotics. Uh, you may be on to something there, though.
0: Well, it's only illegal in like three states
1: now. Ours, ours being ours being one of them. Fortunately, uh,
4: I never thought of that, but uh, I can see what you're saying. But I, I wouldn't recommend it. I, I wouldn't recommend doing what I did, which is watching the movie sober.
1: No, no, no. I would not recommend this watching the movie sober. I would not watching recommend this movie watching this movie drinking
3: or.
4: Which is ironic, because I'm not sober most of the time, but I was when I watched this movie, so...
3: Come on, it wasn't great, but it was no, okay. I, no, no, I, no, I'm not saying that you have to smoke weed to get to... I, did, I
1: just thought that, like, if you're baked, this movie would actually be a good way to kill an hour and a half.
3: Not Perhaps. disagreeing with you? So Again,
4: the janitor... The doctor the janitor. does not advocate the use of weed
1: on <laughs> nor does the Tuesday Night Cigar Club in the three states that you can't smoke that shit. So the janitor files his fingernails, gets them looking pretty, drinks some more cans of Punch Energy drink, and he plays the hell out of Willie's Wonderland jukebox that he cleaned up real pretty.
4: It's your birthday.
1: Remember those 20-somethings? I'm sorry, those death count fodder that rescued Liv from the sheriff's handcuffs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, suddenly they all pull up to Willy's Wonderland in a pickup truck, and they've got gas canisters in their hands as they march towards the building.
3: If you're going to burn, burn a concrete concrete built, just a just a, just a note. If you're going to burn a concrete building, just don't bring a lawnmower gas can and then put the gas around the foundation, light it, and expect to do damage.
4: Todd, is there something you want to admit to here?
3: Not at all. Something-
1: perhaps, from the Travis Tritt tour?
3: Uh, Going on? Going
1: on? Did Tritt make a pact with Satan? Did he? You're on the hot seat. Going on. Did you break into a showbiz pizza and
3: perhaps fight the...
1: (laughs) Did you and Travis Tritt break into a showbiz pizza and get into a fight with animatronic musicians? Obviously,
3: you guys guys never heard the B-side of Tell Me I Was Dreaming, where he was basically singing about killing... You know. The animatronics at a Chuck E. Cheese pizza. You guys are barking up the wrong tree, man.
4: When I mentioned Caddo Lake during the Southern Comfort Show, and Tut was all, fuck Caddo Lake, I could never catch a fish there. And I'm like, you know what? I Tut fucking burned half that goddamn place
3: down. <laughs> Good memory. I don't. I don't acknowledge any of that. You know what? This is on me as a bad friend.
1: And I'm going to apologize. I'm a moron and I drink a lot on this podcast and <laughs> I, I'm just a drunk moron. I forgot that one night in confidence, Tut told me that Travis Tripp replaced him on his tour with an animatronic grizzly bear that he he bought from Showbiz Pizza and just he, the grizzly bear. The, no, the grizzly bear from Showbiz Pizza played keyboards on the remaining six, four <laughs> dates of the tour.
3: Just a he, side note before I get called out. Uh, I was not on the Travis Tritt show. <laughs> I only played one show where we opened for you.
1: Oh, you know what? Yeah, we should clarify this. And Travis Tritt never hired a animatronic grizzly bear from Showbiz Pizza. I'm, I'm glad we're getting all the... the we're clarifying. Really. details. That's <laughs> what for all, that you, for all you mentally challenged fucking... Idiots out there! We got to explain everything.
3: I'm pretty sure he did hire an animatronic girl to play keyboards for him. It was actually a panda bear, and he rocked that fucking keyboard. (laughs) Sorry, Jerry, you're a wonderful guy. Just jokes. Fucking not, Jerry the panda bear.
1: Okay. (laughs) So, like I said, once they pour fuel all over the exterior, as Tut said, the brick building, which would not do a lot, Liz tells them they have to get the mysterious man out of there before they torch it up. She's got a heart. She's got a soul. And she's got really nice boobs. she has got a lot of nice everything. She knocks on the window of the kitchen and tells the Jander that he's in danger and needs to get out of there. But he ignores her and he turns around and just keeps on cleaning but despite her friends not giving a shit about the human casualty getting in the way of their mission, Liz can't have his death on her conscious. So she sneaks in the building through the roof through an air vent, determined to get the jander out of there. We see her as she's climbing crawling through the air vent, and she's immediately attacked by Artie the Alligator, but she manages to kick her way out and escape.
3: I want to party with Artie. <laughs> I thought it was a decent little jump scare there. Like Artie the Alligator? Time.
4: I, I my two favorite I would say Artie the Alligator was my favorite and then Gus the Gorilla is my second. The rest of them I could have done without, but I would have partied with those two.
1: I'm all about Tito the Turtle. <laughs> I was about to say, man. Tito the Turtle was awesome. I love Tito the Turtle.
4: <laughs> Artie the Alligator would have kicked his ass.
1: Once she's inside the heart of Willie's Wonderland, Liv finds herself in a foggy forest setting where Siren Sarah pops up in a childish voice. And she tells Liv, I've been waiting for another little girl to play with. She asks Liv if she wants to see her treehouse. And Liv says, uh, no, not today, girlfriend. And they start swinging punches. Siren Sarah suddenly disappears into the fog and begins taunting Liv with a, quote fingers for you guys listening and not watching, creepy version of Ring Around the Rosie. And I use quote fingers there because I didn't find it creepy at all. Remember when we featured the Banana Splits movie back on episode 104? Yeah. That movie had its faults and shortcomings for sure. But they really sold the distorted use of children's music and kids' cartoon music to great effect. They really got that right. And this movie totally drops the ball in that regard. All the mu- music in this movie sucks. Giant, fuzzy Gus Gorilla Balls.
3: I I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I'll, I'll even go, uh, uh, take it a step further. All the little taunts that they do, like the the very first from Aussie, the ostrich. If you're going to say, I'm going to, if you're going to hearken to the, I'm going to eat your soul from army of darkness, you got to, you got to step up your game because that just seemed like a very weak ripoff. And all and all of their taunts seem seemed just kind of like their
1: taunts are not funny and they're not they're not threatening and they're not the voice they chose to use for these characters isn't scary like they just drop the ball with the way that these animated creatures interact with yeah people. yeah which is a huge part of a fucking movie where that's the whole threat of the the, movie. the
3: the yeah the premise Anima,
1: animatronic creatures threatening people. So Siren Sarah eventually emerges from the plastic trees and captures Liz. And the jander hears her screams as he unclogs the salt and pepper shakers in the
3: kitchen. He's still cleaning away. My God, that guy's... Hey, just- he made a deal, and he honors his deal. Hey. He
1: wants his fucking car fixed. It was a gentleman's handshake. He's honoring it. Uh, so he He's hears- a man of his not-word. But he does, <laughs> he does hear her scream. And you know what's actually worth screaming about, boys, in real life, our world that we Set. live in? Hit me with it. I'm glad you asked, Tut. The Drew Estate Barn Smokers are back this year, baby. They're back. Ooh, return it to normal. How exciting is this shit? And I'm guessing that if you attend one of these amazing experiences, you'll find plenty of their newer offerings, such as the Herrera Esteli Miami. Crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho, the Herrera-Esteli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. Did I say it right?
3: Lavish. Lavish.
1: Expertly rolled with a lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Stelly Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes, one of which we are smoking tonight and highly enjoying. I got to tell you folks, what are you waiting for? Jump in your car, jump online, seek this cigar out, do it now. And while you're, if you don't do that now, if you're a procrastinator and you're like, well, I'll do it later. Well, here's something you can do now. Cause I know you got a cell phone or a computer. You have some access to the internet. Unless you live in Hayesville, where the movie takes place, then I'll give you a pass. If you have any access to the interwebs, you need to, right now, take a hot minute and get on something called Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab.
3: All right. All
1: right. I can take it. Take two. All
3: right. <laughs> I shall stay here and entertain the millions.
1: Joe Rogan stuff.
3: What are you listening to me for? I'm just a moron. <laughs>
1: He was speaking of that one specific instance.
3: Oh come on boy. You know what you know what you know the clout you have.
1: First of all, I don't even know how you can judge how many people listen to a podcast. We have no way of getting podcast numbers, right?
3: No, you can tell downloads. From what? iTunes? Yeah, I think iTunes does it. Uh, The little Blueberry does a little statistic. How come I've never seen these numbers? I'm surprised you don't see it when you first log in on the dashboard. Oh, it's on the dashboard they show you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, when well, you she, log into the website, you don't see, like, the, the site Joe statistics and... This
1: is why Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan. We don't know <laughs>
3: anything.
1: We are total morons. <laughs> I <are>. think so.
3: <laughs> how many people listen to our show? I don't know. Yeah, I don't we've think, got... How did uh, you learn such a thing? Shit, we've got, like, 44... I mean, I think it's more than 44,000 unique downloads throughout the history. Uh... A month or total? No, total, total. Man, I wish we were doing 44,000 downloads a month. (laughs) Then we're talking Joe Rogan's numbers.
1: Well, we got almost 2 million YouTube views. That's pretty impressive.
3: Yeah.
4: We still taking a break?
1: But I guess fifty thousand round up fifty thousand over five and something almost six years, ten thousand stream podcast streams a year. I yeah,
3: guess. check out when you first log into the site, check out that first page. It should have you some graphs and stuff.
1: Again, why we're not in Toxic well, like Spotify graphs and stuff. <laughs> grass and shit
3: man I was all happy I started my diet and I dropped 5 pounds and then finals hit and I said fuck it called Domino's. yeah we'll do it not dominoes marcos
1: Marcos.
2: Marcos.
1: Hey, pizza. Temple got a Marcos. I refuse to eat there because they have the laziest logo I've ever seen. It's like an M with pepperonis in it. Is it good
3: pizza? Uh, at least the one here in, in Cedar Park is fantastic.
1: Have you had the Temple Marcos? Yes?
3: Yeah, I have not.
1: It's over there by Jenny's work. I I go right next door to Jimmy's Egg Breakfast Cafe, which has a great logo. It's this little dancing egg. Jimmy's Egg. Fuck the logo, man. I'll eat there, but Marco's, it's the laziest fucking logo I've ever seen. It's an M, and they just put some pepperonis on it, it's like Marco. I'm like, I normally just get Domino's because there's a Domino's literally like four blocks away from my house. No, if you're getting Domino's, get Marco's. There's a pizza
3: place next door to you in your block. (laughs) And it's a fabulous, good pizza place, I don't live
1: at the loft. Oh, that's right. That's right. The Domino's is... So close- when I order Domino's, it literally gets to my house in like 10 minutes.
2: Because
1: <laughs> like, as soon as they leave the store... Which should make like, you wonder usually, what's like in that, that pizza to get there in 10 they minutes. They come to. They deliver. My pizza is so piping hot. All
3: right. Y'all know and- I was a big Domino's guy. But since I tried Marco's, I haven't had Domino's since.
1: All right. Well, I'll try, try this, Marcos. I'll try it. Uh, we do. Hey, they broke ground by the Sefco in Salado. We're getting a Domino's. Nice. Well, I love the Salado Brewery Pizza. The their their pizza truck. Yeah. And then Salado Pizza Place does a really good pizza too. So. I'm going to try to keep it local, but...
3: Well, that's like that pizza that we had up at the pub, man. If I had that, I'd be having that all the time.
1: Oh, man. What was that spicy one? Yeah, that
3: was the pepperoni jalapeno one that they did. It was great. uh, Yeah, they call it the uh, the pepper pig. Yeah, that was good.
1: How's that place doing? Is it good business? They're all right. They get good crowds on the weekends. So, I mean, everything's still not back to normal, obviously, but they're... Slowly, just like us, little by little, improving. So as soon as everybody, I guess, or majority of people get more vaccinations and people will just get out there and hopefully it will pick up more. Hopefully. 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 Or I guess I'll just start cleaning animatronic
3: <laughs> attractions. This is just going to be cleaning double on. days. I personally don't believe
1: they need to get vaccinated, though.
3: Dude, you're a drunk podcaster. Don't listen to him. I'm just drunk
1: caveman podcaster.
3: How can this be with all this
1: genius juice that we drink? All right. We're going to, uh, when we get back, I'll close out the cigar. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. I'm, I'm in the final third of this thing.
3: Yeah. I should probably yeah. cut Rogan some slack. I don't know why I'm so hard on him.
1: I, I always disliked him just cause I, I just find <sighs> MMA ridiculously stupid, but that's not his fault. It's a paid gig. He's, he's like the Al Michaels of MMA. He, yeah. he's, he's the go to announcer for that stuff. And people love it. Just cause I don't love it doesn't mean it's not. Valid.
4: Alright fellas, had am to step out on the Lanai. Alright. I probably only need to do that once more this evening. So uh
1: I think be- I have the perfect break to do that once more, Doctor. So uh I got your back as always, unlike these two guys. <laughs> Momenting dissension.
3: Mincy, you're always welcome on Just Tuttle. <laughs> I thought it was just Tut. Oh, just hut, yeah, anyway. has a much better ring to it.
4: Just hut. <laughs>
1: well,
4: funny we'll you giving ready. me
3: you giving me notes on my own damn show. Oh, <laughs> well, now now he's out.
1: It is going to be just, just hut. Tut. Just doc, <laughs> just doc, doc. Can I technical produce your podcast?
4: Sure, I don't have any technical acumen. Okay, well,
1: man. It's perfect. I don't either. (laughs) All right. Clappity-clap. Clappity-clap. Well, boys, uh, real quick before we get uh, into the meat and potatoes of this film and finish it out, uh, let's talk about the finishing of the cigar. Um, It has been consistent for me. I I, I lament the fact that I didn't get toasted marshmallows and fig newtons, but I'm glad you guys did. Um, There's always that question at the beer pairings, Played into that, Should but I be. don't think I don't think because of y'all's beers and I, how you described it, that was the case.
3: Yeah, I don't think the IPA was delivering a toast note.
1: No, perhaps if you had a a, a really you know sweet stout. Yeah. Um, and I will say
3: that it actually kind of graduated into a uh, an actual toast note uh, in that low in that last third. For me, the strength picked up a little bit. Uh, I got a little it's bit crazy. more of the toasting note stuff. The the cedar and that leather across that palette was very, very nice. There was still a nice little toast on the after on the on the retro hail, kinda like after you retrohale hail the kind of yeah. lingering taste there. The finish cool. though, the finish. The finish, okay. Yeah, I should probably but do it, you
1: know the dry the, hail thing that you do. no the finish is what stays with you after you you've blown all the smoke out of your system, the finish. Um, I'm with you. The, the cedar ruled the day on the draw. Um, I did get some leather. Uh, you said on the draw, I got some le- a nice warm leather with that spice. I'm agree with you. The strength that spice, on, the strength on the spice picked up in the final third, which is mm-hmm. really nice. Um, but for the most part, I mean, this was a fairly non-complex, straightforward cigar that delivered some really traditional flavors. Really, really good.
3: I liked it. Price point. Uh, I would say that I would I would like it to hang around just a little bit longer. I think I've been doing better on how fast I smoke cigars, but this was kind of a little bit of a quick smoke uh, for me. But that's really the only criticism that I can kind of give this thing. Okay. Um, of course, I have been chugging beers and just smoking the hell out of it. So who knows? Just say it. I'm a fucking moron. I'm Florad. What are you listening to me as? I'm not a professional c- cigar podcaster. But you are.
2: Oh. Well.
3: Price point, I'm going to go to Yaks.
1: Price point. Price point for the Miami. It's a beautiful Vitola, this pyramid. It is. That's a tough one. I'm thinking about it. 10 50 Rolled right here in the US of A. Titan to Bronze in Caleocho, Miami. 1075. 1050.
3: 1082. Tut. All right. Well. Brainchild of the mastermind, the Willy Wonka of Drew
1: Estate. Oh, and I should say, the, the way this cigar pairs into tonight's film, it is the brainchild of Willie Herrera, the namesake of Herrera's telling name, Willie Herrera. In tonight's film, Willie's Wonderland, I thought it would be nice to pick a cigar that showcased Willie. Our Willie. Our Willie. Willie Herrera.
3: I will jump up to an 1150.
1: You're close to it. dollars Twelve seventy-five. 12 Yeah. And I'd love to have a birthday party
4: at Willie Herrera's Wonderland. I bet that's awesome.
1: I would love to have any celebration at Willie Herrera's house because from what I understand, you're going to have good food. The guy obviously has First a, of
3: all, the guy is just awesome.
1: He's just fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> Yax, yeah, he was one of the last outsiders we saw. He showed up the, the day, the night before we left uh, Nicaragua. Yes. And we had some rum and hung outside with Willie, and uh, he, he, you know, thankfully remembered us for our It was wonderful to wake up so I could get my, you know, my third breakfast tone of beer, and there's Willie!
2: I'm just See, like,
3: thought- all right, first of all, for those of you who don't know the guy, this guy is a huge guy. Uh, tets all up his arm. I mean, just a big, imposing guy. And a huge cigar nerd. This guy loves talking cigars. This guy loves talking process. This guy loves talking flavors and loves just everything about it. And I, 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 I just love talking to people that are, are really one, knowledgeable, but two, have like a genuine love for it. It just, I, I, I enjoyed, I have enjoyed every encounter that I've had with the man. If you get the chance, go to one of those barn smokers because he's extremely approachable and you could just strike up a conversation with him and you will learn a hell of a lot.
1: Don't play dominoes with him.
3: <laughs> Don't play dominoes with
1: him. He will spank your ass. Uh, and not, I didn't appreciate
3: it when he slapped me across the head. Uh, dude,
1: Willie, Willie is awesome. And if there's one, uh, character in the cigar world that could take the mantle of master blender for the almighty Drew estate, uh, Willie has rolled with it and created some just amazing stuff. And, uh, you know what? You, you've got the ligas, you've got the, you know, the, the, all these different profiles and all these different brands. And with the Herrera, with the Herrera Steli stuff, he takes a much more traditional approach, a much more Cuban approach to tobacco and blends. And this thing delivers a solid, straightforward profile. It construction was flawless. Um, I really dug it.
3: You don't have to raise your hand to Okay, cool. Uh, I'm sorry, but just think about that for a little bit. There are so many master blenders and so many, uh, cigar owners or, or, or the guys that, you know, that, that, that blend their own flavors or have somebody else blend it to their palate. They're all like, you know, this is my palate. I, I blend to what I taste. I blend to what I like. And, you know, the, the people that like my cigars, you know, whatever. It's just, I, I blend for, My own taste, I blend for, you know, people think that that's cool, that's cool. But look at what Willie does. Because I know that there are some blends that Drew Estate offers that he might not be like, you know, this is my palate. It's
1: the hardest job in the business what Willie does.
3: And look at the consistency that he delivers for cigars that are out of his personal taste profile. I think that is amazing. I think that is just A meticulous artist that can actually deliver that kind of consistency on cigars that are outside of his wheelhouse, let alone the stuff that's in his wheelhouse.
1: It is, because he's not a heavy cigar smoker, Um, not a lot of Maduros and stuff. And ironically, one of his best creations, in my opinion, is the Nortenia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And that's one of his heavier cigars. Uh, the the great thing you always hear when you go to the barn smokers, they're always asking Willie, you know, he has a sexy job where he's creating all these new blends. Yax, you and I saw an entire room at La Fabrica Drew Estate filled with blends of Willie's that probably will never see day because they didn't live up to a standard. Thou- tens of thousands of cigars on shelves that aren't going to ever be anything because they don't live up to what he want- was seeking out to do. But what he tells everybody is, man, I know it sounds sexy, but like eighty percent of his job is just maintaining consistency in all these different blends and brands. It's his palette that tastes the underground shade and says, This tastes like the underground shade of last year, we're good. Or this tastes like the flying feral pig, I check off on it. it Maintaining the existing blends and consistency just. is 80% of his
3: job. And then in the remaining 20%, he tries to create some new shit. Dude, just just think about what you're saying though. From the Kuba Kuba to the Pappy to the lightness of the uh, Herrera Esteli, the original one, to the Miami, to the Unico series. I mean, you're talking about an entire range of taste profiles that he maintains consistency throughout, you know, year after year. That's, that's my, that blows your brain box.
1: Hardest working master blender in the business. And he has certainly earned that title. I agree. Uh, and I like the cigar. Well, it might not be when I think Drew Estate, which I'm a diehard, uh, and I want to go broadleaf heavy or, you know, a million different ways. I appreciate this cigar for what it is. It's a much more traditional flavored cigar, um, delivering traditional flavors. Construction was phenomenal, and I'll leave it at that. I liked it. Thumbs up.
3: Very much thumbs up.
1: Okay. Well, back to the movie. Oh, and it goes great with this, this, uh, triple IPA I'm drinking. Um, well, Liv's friends are bickering back and forth. They've climbed up on the roof and they're debating as to whether they should go in and find her. A James Vanderbeek wannabe has a crush on her, so he's leading the charge to go in there and get her. Oh, while the-
4: what an insult to Vanderbeek. <laughs> Well, the others, I, I thought, I Colleen, I it, he, he was—he's not a Vanderbeek wannabe on his best day and Vanderbeek's worst.
1: <laughs> well, he he wants to go in and get her. He's got a crush on her, but the others aren't so sure she's worth dying for at the hands of Willie Wonderland's gang of homicidal critters. The thing is, everybody in town knows what's going on in this place. They know they if they know go in up. there, there's killer robot animals that are going to slaughter them. So. Apparently everybody in town knows what's going on. Suddenly, as they argue, the roof collapses and all the twenty-somethings—or as doctors, has corrected me, death count fodder, body
3: count fodder—fall
1: through the roof down into the ball pit in Willy's Wonderland.
4: Couldn't hold a candle to Vanderbeek.
1: <laughs> Liv, <laughs> Liv, who somehow got away from Siren Sarah, rushes in the room, and she can't believe they didn't stay outside. What are you doing? You were supposed to find a way for me and the mystery man to get out of here. What are you doing here? What's done is done, though, so she pulls out a switchblade knife and marches up on stage to stab Siren Sarah. She's resumed her place. When these creatures kind of have their little moment, they go back up on stage with the band. But she's suddenly swooped up by the jander who throws her over his, sho- his shoulder and he carries her away from the stage. Can't you see we're trying to help you, she pleads. But when the dudes look around and see that the janitor's already killed two of the creatures, and stuffed them in hefty bags, they get the idea that he maybe doesn't need their help. One of the guys is like, "Oh, that's badass. I like that." That that I actually I, that, like. that that that's, that's the one part of that character that I, oh, I got respect now. That's yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what his name was. I don't know what he was doing there. But if you're a kid and you grew up knowing in this town that these creatures existed and they were unstoppable.
3: That is badass. It is.
1: As two of the youngins wander off to the super happy fun room to get frisky... All
3: right. Despite
1: the fact that they obviously know this place is pure evil...
3: Ryder, what the hell are you doing? Cut. Boner's got a bone. No. No, come on. Your entire focus for being there is to destroy the evil that is within... Now, I mean, granted, she is hot. And when
4: <laughs> if that chick wants to go in the super happy fun room, come on. I'm going in the super happy fun room. The doctor's in.
2: <laughs> it's your birthday.
1: But
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've got to keep your head <laughs> on
1: a swivel. Oh, you have yeah. to. You have to, Yaks. But they don't.
3: I mean, at least bone standing up so you can run. All right, come on.
1: Liv and the others confront the janitor in the kitchen. She tells him, get ready, stre- stretch. You're in for a story. <laughs> all good. All good movies have a character for five minutes telling you what happened.
4: And damn it, the ball game's like, over. she so couldn't do listen. it
1: like the girl from Predator, who like stares off into the distance
4: and tells. No, she's like, like,
1: here's what happened. I'm going to tell you a story.
4: And yaks. Yeah, in addition to the girl from Predator, she manages to tell the story in sixty seconds.
1: Yes, <laughs> this is a five minute story. Jesus Bye. Christ. Liv, Liv does has a. She does have a hotter I mean, body. If only she would have, if only she could have started it when I was a little girl. This happens every year. <laughs> I'll just say, Liv does have a much hotter body than the Chicken Predator. Did she? We never saw the, girl, the Chicken Predator's body. I, I saw enough of both of them to to make that call.
4: Liv's hot. I just didn't need to, you know
1: right. read the Declaration of Independence. No, and it's not the first time you're gonna hear it tonight. Liv and the others uh in front <laughs> of him. She, she tells him she tells him this. She tells him this. You've been baited here, just like countless of others over the last twenty years. You've been brought here as a human sacrifice to be killed in Eden. It turns out that Willie's Wonderland's dark history is very dark indeed. It was founded by one of the country's most sadistic, notorious serial killers, Jerry Robert Willis. And Jerry hired only the most depraved sickos as his employees. They would lure unsuspecting families to the Super Happy Fun Room for a personal birthday show from Willie the Weasel. And there they would be hacked to little pieces. After a ton of people were reported missing and people started complaining about weird smells at Willie's Wonderland, the cops eventually decided they should look into it. And when the SWAT team stormed the building, they discovered that Jerry and all of his cronies had killed themselves in a satanic suicide ritual. If you think this is taking me a long time to talk, she takes much longer to tell this (laughs) story.
4: I'm not making fun of you.
1: The ritual they performed was a transfer of energy that relocated Jerry and his crew's memories and consciousness into non-living entities, the animatronic Willy's Wonderland robots. So they took the same voodoo ritual from Chucky and just applied it to the... Correct. Ten years later... We've seen this a million times, Yaks. You're absolutely correct. Ten years later, she says, Tex McAdoo... Reopen the restaurant, but the creatures would move in ways that they weren't programmed to. Siren Sarah would ask chunky little boys if they wanted to fuck. We get to see a little flashback of like, it. Wanna fuck, fatty? That was Which, an which wasn't. I, I...
4: Well, it's mildly amusing.
1: <laughs> it was and there mildly were several, amusing. It, get, this, get this there were several instances of the robot animals killing kids and eating them. So after a while, <laughs> a while, with all these kids getting devoured and all, Tex had to close the doors to Willy's Wonderland once again. Well, that's the twenty-third patron Dude, Demi, that's Demi died. Lovato, I guess I need Demi to close it up. Demi Lovato wants to. Demi Lovato wants to shut down this yogurt shop for serving sugar-free yogurt that triggers her eating disorders. These guys were eating kids. <laughs> so get you know a couple years went by. A lot of kids got eaten. And Tex decided, Tex McAdoo decided to close Willie's Wonderland's doors once again. But he didn't bulldoze it to the ground because Willie got to him. So the cowboy and all the other hillbilly townsfolk made a deal with the devil, she says. And meanwhile, the janitor just keeps on cleaning. He's not given her any...
4: Would would you have appreciated it if they had stolen a scene from Airplane with Robert Hayes story, and when she was done with that, Cage had killed himself and was a skeleton hanging there?
1: Because at that point, that's
4: what I was wishing had happened to me.
1: And she's like, but you don't want to hear about what we're going through. He's just swinging (laughs) on the noose. My
4: God, what a fucking forever Backstory.
1: Screenwriting 101, no, no. Spend five minutes with a character telling you what the fuck's going on. Speaking of idiots, Bob and Kathy, the horny couple, are now in the super happy fun room, and she finds it hot that this is where all the satanic child killers off themselves.
3: I was getting again, a little Return of the Dead, Living Dead vibe there.
1: Again, despite them being fully aware that the place is possessed and full of psycho robots, and the strobe lights suddenly come on by themselves in this super happy, horny room. <sighs> He's super turned on, so they start fooling around.
4: Super horny fun room?
1: <laughs> a super happy, horny fun room. <laughs> I
4: want to go in there. <laughs> How could you not go in there? <laughs> We're about to have some birthday cake. Uh, Kathy and I will be in the super horny fun room.
1: <laughs> I think that's where Donald Trump got pissed on by those hordes and the super happy Russian. I was uh, in the Wonder super horny
4: fun room. I uh, can't be held responsible for what happened with the nuclear codes. We
1: all would have gone in there.
3: <laughs>
1: Even you, Dick Durbin.
3: Of course, Dick Durbin would have been there.
1: <laughs> well, Dick Durbin, yeah, he's going in Dick He was Earth. watching. <laughs> uh... I was trying to think of that annoying little Pelosi soldier. What's his name? The little guy with the glass. Uh, Schumer. Schumer? Even Schumer is going in the super happy horny room, Dick, first. but <laughs> Dick Durbin. Hey, we're political. I'm, I'm coming up with stuff. I'm riffing. I'm riffing. I'm just a drunk podcaster. I'm just a drunk podcaster.
4: No comment. I was in the super horny fun room.
1: <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Maybe our former president got pissed on. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Who would like to join me in the Super Honey Fun Room? I'm an idiot. I'm drinking 11% beers. Birthday
4: cake, had a lot of pissing going on in there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The gang of six uh, left out in the restaurant hears music starting up from the main stage. Uh So they they exit the kitchen uh, because they're not getting anywhere with the janitor. So they exit the kitchen and are treated to a show where Willie the Weasel up on stage sings a song about six little chickens being at the end of the line with nowhere to hide, and they're going to get eaten. It was a horrible song. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't... You could tell somebody wrote this song and being like, this is going to be effective. It wasn't. It sucked.
3: (laughs) Um, I, I appreciate the attempt here. Because I like what they're trying to theoretically or do in theory.
1: Banana just, splits it just did it better.
3: It just didn't deliver.
1: Banana splits did it better.
3: I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying that I understand the attempt that the writer was trying to do. They just the that, theme of the movie is they dropped the ball on it.
4: We for that soundbite on a movie. We appreciated the attempt. Entertainment Weekly. <laughs>
1: It's on the poster. We appreciate we appreciate the attempt. Two night's a guard.
4: I appreciate the attempt. Doc's ex-girlfriend.
1: <laughs> the terribly composed and written song ends, and all of a sudden, nighty knight the knight appears behind them, and he stabs through one of the dudes with
3: his sword. Dude, guts everywhere. He kills that dude. Yeah, later, dude. Body as all count hell break- number one as Hall hell breaks loose
1: literally we cut back to the kitchen where the janitor is cracking open another can of energy drink chugging it down and playing pinball hey it's break time TNCC style I'm on sorry we break dude
4: that pop punch has got to be like cocaine man he, he's just
1: I'm with Tut though Tut texted me and he's like when he cracks that first beer yada yada I'm like Man, that would be, to me, in this movie, it makes sense he's pounding energy drinks because he wants to stay awake and way energized to fight these guys. But the first time I, wa- I watched it twice, the first time I watched it, I thought he was pounding. I thought those were beers
3: because they look like a craft beer. The it's beer really- yeah. yeah,
1: It looked like a St. Martin's.
3: Stupid ass you know, I was I, I was like, you. please tell me there's a uh, there's a punch pop beer out there and then I can go and find this told, thing. Yeah, I
1: told you try to find out what this beer is <laughs> when I first watched it, and I'm like then I was like, oh shit, I think this is actually like an energy. Beer. Yeah. Siren Sarah and Tito the Turtle kill another of the dudes. And the James Vanderbeek wannabe flees to the arcade where he calls the sheriff on his cell phone.
4: quit disrespecting Vanderbeek
1: At first when he says these at Willie's Wonderland, she just hangs up on him and the state trooper sitting across her desk looks at her he's like it was a crank call it was a crank call. But then he calls back and she lets the call go and when the answer machine picks up, he pleads for her help. We're at Willie's Wonderland. We did something stupid people are dead. So finally, she tosses the state trooper a shotgun and tells him to strap his balls on because they're going to Willie's. So, Tut, now I'm going to get to your point. If this is the town's deep, dark 20-year-old secret that she is so determined to keep at all costs and keep going at all costs, why in the hell, when this guy comes to town, because they've had a million of these guys, would she invite a state trooper there to
3: get involved with it in the first place? It makes no, no sense. No sense, dude. This is like the crappiest screenplay ever. Nobody could I know. Mean, just come in. on. I'm,
1: I'm going to bring in a, a state trooper to.
3: It makes no sense.
1: Except in a little while, she needs someone in the car to tell another five minute exposition story to. And so we got to have somebody, and that's him. It's a horrible screenplay. It's it is.
3: It is. It makes no effing sense.
1: Her life is dedicated to keeping the secret, and she brings in a guy with a wife and family from the big city. How's that going to go wrong?
3: Tom, one second.
1: There was as, as we said before, there was an attempt. <laughs> there, was, there was. There was. an attempt at writing the screenplay. It, there yeah. was a attempt. How was? How did? That, it was terrible. We, we, we shouldn't replicate it. Well, finally, the janitor has heard enough of the kid screaming in agony, so he downs his highly caffeinated beverage and heads out of the kitchen to bash Nighty Knight repeatedly into the wall before jo- chopping his medieval robot head off with his own sword. Doctor, I guess it's what they call poetic justice?
4: But it seemed that uh, Nighty Knight maybe lost his head. <sighs>
1: I guess he won't be going to that helmet convention in June.
3: Naughty night, sweet prince.
1: All these puns are acceptable.
4: In the context of this, they're bad puns, but in the context of the movie, they're fine.
1: They're bad puns, but definitely better written. They're better written puns than anything this movie gave us in one-liners. And we didn't even write them. We just came up with them right now after drinking. We're just a bunch of drunk idiots. (laughs) remember the two lovebirds who are screwing fully clothed nonsensical
3: exactly come on director
1: fully clothed screwing in the super happy horny room despite seeing Artie the alligator in the corner watching them screw hey isn't that isn't that isn't that crazy psycho robot over there
3: one of the ones we're supposed to be afraid of? You know, the ones that we've been talking about for the, you know,
1: seven, eight years? You know you're turned on by him watching this, baby. Just just ride me. Well, they just pee- let it happen.
3: It- let it happen. Please they- don't break my
4: concentration or I'll start peeing all over the place.
1: <laughs> they keep doing it, which makes zero fucking sense, given that they know the place is filled with demonic robots. Hey, baby, that demonic robot's watching us do it. Oh, yeah. It's hey. making you hot, isn't it? Let's give him a show. God. You didn't want to go
3: into this place because of the demonic robots, and now you're cool hey, fucking in front birthday. of them. Not only that, but you were going to let your friend die in this place until you got in there. Boner's These are pretty
1: shitty friends. Boner's got a bone. Boner's got a bone.
4: I mean, I'd like to think if I went into the super horny room with the bubblegum chewer, you guys would be like, "We got to get out of here." You're like, oh, Doc's gonna let's
2: get
1: him. <laughs> you know, he's got five bucks in tickets. Let's let him play some dig dug and
2: <laughs>
1: see what happens in there. I'm gonna play some dig dug. All right, <laughs> you're 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 dig dugging. Well, guess what? Wait for it. Artie the alligator pounces on them and eats the randy couple alive. Doctor, in your medical opinion, have you ever witnessed two young adults so horny, so nubile, that they would ignore imminent and obvious danger in an effort to achieve orgasm?
4: My God, they must have been so incredibly horny. I mean, the super horny fun room must have just driven their hormones off the charts. It's a level of horniness. I can't even imagine. Every fiber of their being must have been horny. But to answer the question, no, I've never seen that.
1: What about their loins? My God.
4: (laughs) Their loins must have been just on fire with pervert. No, it just defies the imagination.
1: I agree, Doctor, and I don't have a medical degree, as you don't. Well, the janitor, dragging the the robotic corpse of Nighty Knight down the hallway in a hefty bag, he and Liv hear all the commotion from the super happy horny room. So he kicks down the door and pummels the bejesus out of Artie the Alligator, eventually ripping open his mechanical jaws and pulling out all the electrical wiring from his throat. Liv apologizes to the lifeless, mangled bodies of Kathy and Bob. When's the last time you met a 20 year old African American named Bob?
4: Now, Kate, a person could be named anything.
3: That is true. I'm in trouble.
1: But hey, you're just a drunk podcast, dude. Nobody should be listening to you. I'm a moron. Why are you listening to me? I, I just thought Kathy and Bob... She didn't look like a Kathy, and he didn't look like a Bob. Uh She apologizes for dragging them into this whole mess. A lot of good that does them. They're dead.
4: Nobody apologized to Artie the Alligator. He seemed like <laughs> a of
2: fun.
1: But Liv can't help but be impressed by the way the janitor took care of fucking business. This guy's the real deal. Meanwhile, James Vanderdick... You like that one, uh, Doctor? I still think, that, man, it's like
4: it's like Jay and Silent Bob when Vanderbeek's in that movie. He's like, dude, you wouldn't have lasted on the creek. This dude's no Vanderbeek. James- Vanderbeek, he wishes he was. Vanderbeek, you are not, sir.
1: That's why I called him James Vanderdick. James Vanderdick is being stalked by Cammy the Chameleon in the arcade. I deride your Vanderbeek abilities. <laughs> she's sweet talking, telling him that others pick on her, the other robots pick on her, and all she wants is to be set free of this robot body. She swears she's not like the others. And because he's a fucking moron, he falls for it and he climbs out of his hiding space and introduces himself to her. We'll get back to this doofus in a minute.
4: Vanderbeek would have never fallen for that ploy.
1: The sheriff <laughs> and the state trooper are speed. <laughs> Do any of you guys recognize the sheriff or anything?
4: Yeah, she, thought,
1: uh, <sighs> she's
4: she been in a ton of shit. Uh, most recent, well, I guess is in recent, it's 10 years. She was in the movie that Mike Judge did, the Extract movie with uh, Jason Bateman and Ben Affleck. She was in that movie. Uh, she's been in a ton of stuff. I, I, I just,
1: only recognized her from one thing. She's the clenching her heart chick, she was one of the passengers on the bus in Speed.
2: I don't, that. Actually, I, I don't
4: remember that. When the bus
1: driver gets shot, I feel like I've been
2: shot. She's like, oh my god.
1: Dude, she went from that little small role in Speed to a major role in Willie's Wonderland.
2: Okay.
4: But, uh, still with a ton of stuff in between.
1: No, she's hardworking, and she's not bad in this, by any means. Um, well, her and the state trooper are speeding their way to Willie's Wonderland, which you would think, being that the town is the, quote, the size of a postage stamp, it would only take them a few minutes to get there. Of course not. You see, we need a long car ride for the sheriff to explain more of the town's backstory to the trooper over five minutes at least. Here's our second giant chunk of exposition. So we had to listen to Liv give a five-minute speech, explain shit. And now we have to listen to this old broad do the same. She tells the story of a town that tried to tell everyone that Willie's Wonderland was haunted by supernatural forces, but the media and everyone just laughed at them and called them yokels. Tex McAdoo hired a contractor to demolish the building, But the contractor and his entire family were found chewed up and dead before he could do the job. So understandably, no other contractors wanted to take the job. They decided just to let the place rot. But rabid dogs don't rest when they're hungry, she says. And eventually the machines got out and started killing people and eating them all over the town. The ice cream shop, the gas station, the elementary school... Again, this should be something that would be reported and would be a big deal, but no. No, it's not. So the sheriff, Tex McAdoo, and some other town leaders cut a deal with Willie. They actually went into Willie's Wonderland and stood in front of the animatronic band and cut a deal with Willie and his crew of musicians. If they left the people, especially the children of Hayesville alone, they would be fed regularly with people traveling through town. She said they tried to target people of low moral character, but that's self-serving bullshit because as she's telling the story, we see flashbacks of Tex McAdoo bringing in plenty of totally innocent families with children and feeding them to this family. If you just clean up the restaurant, I'll let you go, I'll fix up your minivan in the morning. She's just trying to make herself look good. They're giving anybody and anybody who's coming through this place to the robots. Uh, food for the slaughter. But all these people got free baby blue T-shirts.
3: That's kind of Hey, something. you take the sugar with the sweet. It was a sweet T-shirt. I'm not going to lie. I really liked it. It's a nice, it. nice T-shirt.
1: Uh, get this, the morning after one of these feeding sessions, the sheriff went into Willie's Wonderland to assess the mess and she found little seven-year-old Liv cowering in the janitor's closet somehow little Liv survived the night but would we as an audience member survive much more of this completely obvious exposition unfold before us? Nope. Doctor?
3: <laughs> he already said nope
1: Terrible man, so bad We've had two characters spend 10 minutes combined telling us what's going on. The rule of movies, show us, don't tell us. These fuckers are telling us everything. And it's everything that we could guess on our own. It's not anything new. You could guess uh, what's going on. Well,
3: I, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting premise. I like the whole idea of the town cutting a deal and trying to trying to survive. Like I said, it's an interesting premise, just extremely poorly executed, poorly written, and nonsensical in times.
4: Todd, I couldn't have said that any better myself,
3: but I'll, but I'll try. try.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the here's what's so frustrating to me. And Cade and I have seen just about every horror film that's made. I know you and Yax seen a ton of them too. And they rank on the scale of abysmal to wonderful. What's very frustrating about some of the bad horror movies that you see, any movie for that matter, but especially in the realm of horror, is that the elements are in place. I have no problem with Nicolas Cage not saying a word. I'm fine with that. I love Cage. And I know that there's times he goes over the top nutso, but the fact that he doesn't speak almost prevents that from happening. I love what Cage does. Nicholas Cage, not speaking, fighting the animatronic robots. All right, you've got elements here. This could really work. So what's frustrating for me is there's an idea here that really could have been something. But, as we've pointed out, the script is horrific. The characters other than Cage Sock, the execution is is poor. And so it's not a case of watching a horror movie, and because the baseball season is going, to use a baseball metaphor, it's not a case of, man, Joey Gallo went up there with the bases loaded, and he took his hacks, and he just swung and missed. no. This is a case where he went up the bat. The bat never came off his shoulder, and he just looked at three
3: strikes. Come on.
4: Swing the fucking bat. You had the chance. This is like the
3: bottom of the strike. ninth, faces loaded. Let's send he, Tut
4: up there. He just stood up there, and but Tut, you don't even swing. You just stand up there, and you're like, I can't hit it, and just watch three strikes go past you. There i was
1: just a moron night.
4: baseball player. There's a... There's an idea here that really could have been something. They had they had elements in place that could have been something. I agree. Yeah. And I agree. it just failed. I agree. I agree.
1: There were so many better ways to tell the backstory of this town. There were so many better ways to tell what got this town to this point, other than these characters spending 10 minutes in a soliloquy explained to you. that, that That's so fucking weak. And it's so fucking boring to watch on screen. And,
3: yeah, you got Nicholas Cage. Do something with it. I'll I'll make it even – I'll even simplify it a little bit. Even in the fight scenes, like with uh, uh, the gorilla dude, other than the culminating curb stomp in the urinal, which I kind of appreciated, his go-to move is just bashing the head against a wall – And I was like, that fight scene's kind of boring, and a lot of the fight scenes are kind of boring.
1: The fight scenes were boring, except that bathroom scene with the plunger. That was kind of fun. I like
3: that. That was a great, I was like, okay. There is one moment in the fight uh, scene that's coming up that I really like. like, But but that bathroom scene where he
1: curb stomped the gorilla and he plunged his face. How are you going to top this? Oh, we're not. We're gonna actually do some much weaker shit than this.
3: Yeah, I was just kind of like, and to me that that kind of symbolizes the whole movie is that you're right, Doc. You had you had great stuff here. You had the elements that were just begging for this exploration, and it they just couldn't do it. No. And the young people in a Friday the Thirteenth movie are still body count fodder,
4: but the the writers actually take some time to write lines for them to show some delineation between the characters sure to give you people that you're going to root for you can even go back it even with retrospect when you've watched movies a bunch of times like Kate I have you can still go and say this character was written that we're not going to like this person this is the bitchy slut she's going to die this is the asshole jock he's going <clears> to <throat> he's going to die <clears throat> excuse me but they give them something to where in this case they're just they just show up and in one scene I don't know if it's the it, it's not even the one with the two people humping it's it's one other guy there's a strobe lights going and all of a sudden he's dead and it's it, it's just it's so poorly
1: executed. Uh, Doc, doctor, I mentioned Crispin Glover dancing in how in uh Friday 13 Friday 4. What's his buddy's name that puts the the stuff in the computer? Teddy, Teddy. What is the name of the girl who drives Ellie uh, Cornell to the drugstore in Halloween Four? Lindsay. Guess what? They were given a little bit of character, yeah. and Doctor just nailed their names. They said these people's names in this film, but I didn't latch on to any of them, and I didn't want to bother our audience. With any of that because it's
3: meaningless.
2: Yeah.
1: These these characters were paper thin.
3: You don't even know you don't even know uh, what their association to one another is. I mean, you don't know whether they're a, high school friends or what.
1: We say this all the time. The, the, our number one complaint here is if you don't care, you can't scare. Thank you, thank you, Yax. Yes. And these pair these, to call these characters paper thin is generous. Yeah. Yeah. That would at least give them depth. So the sheriff raised Liv as her own because apparently nobody ever came looking for any of these missing people over 20 years.
3: They were all drifters. Uh, they were all traveling families men, women. Oh, oh. Man, I,
1: I just knocked your pan grade up to a C Uh <laughs> and that's why they're head to willies the sheriff can't fathom losing her pseudo daughter which is bullshit she wants to keep this thing going in town she doesn't give change a, a shit minister radiator she doesn't she doesn't <laughs> give a shit about her daughter she just changed her, to a that's right. her fake daughter and at one point the daughter <sighs> turns to the stateur like you have no idea the hell living with that woman like this chick this old lady's off the rails It still doesn't explain why she called in the state trooper in the first place or why she's telling him all of Hayesville's deep, twisted secrets. As I said, the screener needed a warm body to sit there and listen to us, the audience, be told Mm. what's going on. But the thing is, we've seen this song and dance at least a dozen times before in movies, Dr. So any audience member with a brain could have put this puzzle together without that speech. We could have got it that the town made a deal and all that. We we could have pieced that together on our own. We've seen it before. This movie's not doing anything different.
4: I'm not even sure you need any of that. How about no, Nicholas Cage no. goes up, makes the deal to get his car fixed, goes in there, and just bites
3: them, and there's no explanation. You, exactly. Exactly. We would have got, right, right. se- got
1: it because this movie's been done a oh, million okay, times. Okay,
3: but before. but remove Someone's remove us and our experience out of the equation. If you're an 18-year-old who, who's not seen every movie known to creation, and you're just put in front of this movie and you watch it, man, just have – Fucking Nicolas Cage go off. I mean, that's enough. The premises is there. I mean, the 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 foundation is there. You don't need all the exposition for it. Just just run through it and cool. And you could deliver. Like I said, there's there's better ways to deliver that backstory. You didn't need all the exposition for it. If he, if he just chugged his energy drinks
4: and tried to clean the place and kicked ass and some cute teenager came up to try to help him because she knew something, that's fine. But when they, when they, uh. that would have been
1: a mind boggling brain fuck of a movie and you'd be like, fuck yeah. That would have been another yes. man. That would have been another Mandy. Yes. This movie wants to be something more profound and clear than Mandy, and it backfired in her fucking face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even watch Mandy. No. I At this point, I'm wondering, gee, if Nicolas Cage is finally going to speak in the last 20 minutes and tell us he had a family member who was killed here, and I, he got baited on purpose to enact revenge. I was expecting that. I was expecting at the very end he'd be like, "My my my sister got drawn in here. I'm avenging her death." Would have explained some things. I no, guess. We, no. I, I guess like the
3: randomness.
1: I guess. Well, I guess we'll wait and see if that happens. Well, Liv walks in the arcade where she finds James Van Der Meek. Doc, is that better?
4: Uh, I just, I just, I think any <laughs> allusion to Vandermeek even in a negative way, just hurts me.
1: Dude, James Van Der
2: Meek?
4: <laughs> no,
1: I, I got it. I understood. He's still so mousy. Tut likes it. <laughs> James Van Der Meek. He's still
3: deep. Dude, Tut is still giggling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It makes no sense, but I don't know why.
1: Well, James Vandermeer Is still deep in conversation With Cammy the Chameleon He tells Liv when she walks in Hey, everything's going to be fine Me and the robot are friends now And they're going to make a deal with us We can get out of here But before he can finish that sentence A super long tongue shoots out of Cammy the Chameleon's mouth It wraps around the twerp's neck And snaps it so, thankfully, he's dead now.
4: Now, if they had aped the Varsity Blues line and he just went, and that's why I will never go to Brown University, that would have <laughs> actually been something.
1: I don't want your – oh, I don't want your ah.
2: – <laughs>
1: The janitor walks in and puts up his dupes, but suddenly his watch beeps, alerting him it's break, it's break time. TNCC style. <laughs> So he hands Liv her switchblade back that he had confiscated from her, and he heads back to the kitchen to drink another engine drink and play
3: some more pinball. I love this entire scene. It's, not, the- it's not only, I'm sorry, it's not only just that his watch, I mean, his watch goes off. He looks down at it. He looks at the girl. He looks back at his watch, looks kind of confused shoves his hand in his pocket, brings out a knife, hands it to the girl, turns around, and walks out. I love it. I absolutely was just like, this is is the best scene in the entire movie.
1: He literally doesn't give a shit about saving her because that watch is beeping, and it's break time. No, I think he actually is conflicted. I think he's actually like... He showed no conflict. Conflict in that scene. I think he did because he like actually looks, looks
3: back at her. You no,
1: know, his watch went off and he's like, "I'm sorry, I gotta do this."
4: Yeah, there's he, no conflict. He, he's he thinking. Never, like, he
1: never. i got to go
4: have that energy drink. <laughs> what am I gonna do with this bitch? Man, he here's the knife.
1: Showed any kind of conflict when that watch went off. No matter what was going on, he had to get back to that
3: kitchen, drinking energy drink, and place. I a disagree. Ball. The fact that he hands her the knife to 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 well, begin no, with, he out. yeah, exactly. He's conflicted.
4: He's addicted to energy drinks and pinball like we're addicted to alcohol. He could not. He had to go.
3: (laughs) I love the scene. I thought it was great.
4: If it was like, God, I've got to get another beer. Well, all right, here's a knife. I'm I'm out of here.
1: Well, dude, uh, Cammy the Chameleon looks at Liv. Want to play, bitch? Well, playtime is over. Dude, these one-liners are so fucking stale. They're terrible. (laughs) Uh, and their robot voices. Like, they don't even try to make them creepy or. They suck.
3: They're horrible.
2: Yeah, it's your birthday.
1: Super cringy. The songs, the voices, they mishandled. I love the physicality of the robots and the robot noises. Yeah. But they're compared to, which I didn't even like the movie, the Banana Splits movie. They had much better one liners. They had much better sound design, they had much better soundtrack. That movie beats this movie on every level. Yeah, Move yeah,
3: me. yeah. I will agree with that.
1: Well, Cammy the Chameleon has lived cornered, but luckily that's right when the janitor's break is over, his watch beeps. So he appears back in the arcade with a metal lasso what is that, and like plumbing cable or something? It looked it looked basically like
3: an extension cord. Yeah, I wasn't exact sure exactly what it was. Well he
1: whips it around and he throws it over the lizard's head like a lasso and proceeds to swing her back and forth into a video game until she's knocked out cold. As the janitor and Liv drag Cammy the chameleon down a long hallway by the neck. They're confronted by Siren, Sarah, and Tito, the turtle. The jander just marches straight towards them, punches both of them in the face and keeps on walking with a bewildered and still highly impressed Liv falling right behind him. Dude, these characters have been frightening this town for two decades, and he just punches them in the face and they drop. I like it. Suddenly, the jander comes face to face with the barrel of the sheriff's shotgun. These creatures might not pose a threat to him, but this female- A shotgun does. Sheriff does. She orders him to drop the lizard and put his hands up. As Liv pleads with their foster mother that the jander is a good guy, the trooper reports that a bunch of the robots have been killed, and this really pisses off the sheriff. That state trooper she brought in, he's like, yeah, she killed a bunch of them. Oh god, she's fucking fired up. She says this will only make Willie more angry, and she profusely apologizes to the weasel up on stage. He's still the lead mic, Axel Rose style, center stage with the mic. She
3: he's bases. sending Slash and Duff to do the dirty she work. While he's on to stage. Him.
1: She swears to Willie. The robot that Nicholas Cage in no way represents the people of Hayesville. She somehow convinces the trooper. This is just a normal dude doing his fucking job to handcuff the janitor. Because if you don't give him as a sacrifice, the trooper's wife, your wife and your kid are going to die, even though they're counties
3: away. It makes no sense.
1: It makes no sense. It's terrible screenplay. And he's a dumbass, so guess what? He handcuffs uh, the janitor. The trooper drags Liv away, kicking and screaming. You're locking up the wrong guy in here, she screams. He's not trapped with them. They're trapped in here with him. Which that line made no sense. It sounds like she's certain he's going to wipe out all the creatures. Why wouldn't that be a good
3: thing? No, I, th- I think that that, I think it's a good line in terms of look, you know, he's they're trapped in there with him. I think that's actually a good line. It's just that the fight's
2: not fight that, is not just that, that Liv is,
3: It's just that Liv is cute but not really
1: an actress. But dude, that would have been a great line if that yeah. would be the only speaking line for <laughs> Cage when he actually confronted the weasel. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. It made no sense coming from her because she's being dragged away and she's like no, no. You're not trapping them in here with him. But like I said early on his character is like literally an extension of his character from Mandy after all that shit. He's just trying to get on with his life now. But if he comes across some sort of weird demonic bullshit at this point, it doesn't fucking care. I just want my car fixed. I
3: I kind of harken back to to Doc's point earlier. I think that there's an element in that line that's there. It's a cool line, but it just it it just it's dropped. I mean, there it's. But I mean, it's it, not executed well. It's not. It just. Ah.
1: Well, you know, I mean, to it's me, it, when I heard it, it, of course, all I thought about was like the the scene from uh, uh, Watchmen where Rorschach is saying that same line when he's in prison with the, And I'm like, all right, but it just didn't have that same. Right, the, right, right. The gravitas. Yeah.
4: Guess what, Yaks? That's on the IMDb trivia.
1: I didn't even
4: know it. The Rorschach line is from Watchmen, is mentioned on the IMDb trivia. Doctor, explain. Well, oh, it's the same line. Like Yak says, it comes up with Rorschach. They're he's they're not locked. It's almost the same line. It just says that on IMDb. That's that's like a. They don't know if it's intentional or not. I doubt it was because that would actually imply some thinking. <laughs> but the basic the basic line is used with Rorschach and
1: Watchmen. Wow. Okay. Why couldn't you just die like the others? The sheriff asked the janitor before locking him back in there alone with the remaining robots. So with the trooper driving Liv back to police HQ to throw her in the cell and the sheriff staying put outside until the situation in Willy's Wonderland finally resolves itself, we jump back inside where Cammy the Chameleon and Siren Sarah are asking the janitor, Nicholas Cage, with his hands still cuffed behind his back, or tied. If you like, are you ready to have a menage a trois? Now that I am, let's start peeing. No, fuck everything else with me. Now that would be a crazy and awesome scene to watch. Nicholas Cage hardcore banging these two crazy looking female automatons with his handcuff his hands cuff on his back that would be insane and crazy and awesome but sadly we don't get that here which sucks because you know from Mandy Cage would be totally into that
3: and i would have been i would have been totally against that because there's nothing in this movie that even builds up to that and I would have just been like, sorry, uh-uh. You can't drag me through that entire rest of that movie to get me to this wonderful scene. I, I reject Dude, it. Dude, if Cage ripped did off his movie... You did say cup? it would be wonderful, didn't it?
1: <laughs> Cage ripped off his if,
3: of if the movie party. was done right, if everything before was like done competently and brought up to that apex of a moment then yes, it could have been just mind-fuckingly brilliant. If, Only if it ended right there.
4: Cage pulls out a giant cock, and he just goes, now it's Willy's Wonderland, and then it ends.
1: If Matt Cage <laughs> this movie, he would have totally fucking ripped those cuffs off, totally had a threesome with Siren, Sarah, and Cammy the Chameleon. Dude, Cage would have done it. He's done a much crazier thing. But no, this movie's so lame. It teases us with that, and it doesn't follow through. Well, Cage kicks the jukebox, and as a country western version of Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes begins to play, he headbutts Siren Sarah and knocks Cammy the Chameleon out. He just kind of bumps her, and she falls over. Here's what I don't get. This town has been suffering from these creatures for two decades. He doesn't have that much a harder time killing these people.
3: Well, it's kind of like a bully. You know, their powers, you know, their threat and their but stance dude, and stuff. it doesn't take much to...
1: That's what I'm like saying, man.
3: Just like, punch the bully. It, it seems like Tex McAdoo and some buddies could have taken these fuckers out years ago. They could have, but they believed the bully's bullshit. He straddles Siren Sarah's face and eventually,
1: gyrating back and forth, is able to break her neck by grinding his hips uh, around her neck. Doctor, that's why you're here. Have you ever heard of a death caused by sitting on someone's face?
4: Well, first of all, I take a little umbrage that that's the reason why I'm here. I thought I was your camaraderie and good looks, but uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you can... You can scissor somebody to death.
3: Sit on my face and tell me that you love me.
4: You've seen it. I've seen the autopsy reports. It's uh it's not a pretty sight. But uh yeah, you, technically you could uh you could sit on someone's face to death. Okay. That's how I want to go out. I'll sit on <laughs> your right.
3: face and say that I love you.
4: Not you, Todd, but I mean I <laughs>
3: I love to hear you oralize.
1: Well, the janitor then breaks free from his shackles and snaps Cammy the Chameleon's neck as well. He's just knocked out uh, the siren and Cammy the Chameleon. Liv is giving the state trooper the business as they drive to the jailhouse. She tells him, you're a murderer for leaving the janitor back there. At least I was trying to do something about this madness by burning Willie's Wonderland to the ground, but you You're complicit now. Eventually, after, you know, yeah, 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 John had his ears long enough. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. She strains the cord with them, and he slams on the brakes. I'm going to do goddamn something right now about this, he says. But suddenly, Tito the Turtle, who's been riding along on the roof of the squad car, swats his giant turtle hand into the driver's side window and yanks the trooper out of the vehicle. Tito the turtle. After taking the trooper out of the commission, permanently kills him, Tito comes for Liv. Sucks to be you, chica. Ugh. Hola,
3: senorita Liv.
1: Terrible.
4: Oh, done by Michael Myers and, thirty some years earlier without
1: him. And she says... Sucks to be you, Pidejo Dude, this screenwriter needs to be just... It's horrible. This screenwriter needs to be cancelled. Uh, take his livelihood away from him. I know I said I was against that, but my God, it's painful. Uh... She's able to beat the shit out of Tito the turtle fairly easily using a shotgun. He, she, he stole the shells, but she used it as a baseball bat. Oh, my balls! They really hurt! She cries out. In Please spandard. stop! Please stop! Please stop! My balls! As she punches him. was supposed to take the house down. Doctor, <laughs> doctor do turtles have balls? Uh.
4: I mean, they reproduce, but many amphibians are asexual. But uh, I like to think that turtles have balls.
1: That's a guess, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why I'm even here anymore. <laughs> right. We don't know if turtles oh, have The balls.
3: same question we all ask ourselves. Well, Liv, Lee's, but and... the birds. turtles
1: got balls?
3: I've got oh. balls,
1: damn it. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, Liv leaves the turtle there on the dark country road. Grande
3: low, huevos!
1: And, her, and, and holding his turtle balls oh, boy. as she runs off on foot back to Willy's Wonderland. It's back at Willy's that we see the Jander finishing off, stuffing the severed body parts of Siren Sarah and Cammy the Chameleon into hefty bags. And then peeling on the fresh baby blue Willie's Wonderland t-shirt. Uh. We then get another super fast, sped up cleaning montage of the janitor wiping down tables, mopping the floors, scrubbing the jukebox with a toothbrush, and all that kind of stuff. Once the place is finally spotless, he walks over to the lone remaining robot on stage, Willie the fucking weasel. Let's
3: but do it get they, it over with. Before they can
1: have their climatic showdown type, The janitor's watch beeps, so he has to go in the kitchen and drink another Punch Energy drink and play some more pinball. But yeah, boy, this round of pinball is different than the rest, is it not? Yes. Yes, it is. A modern synth pop song about Willie's Wonderland starts playing, and in between smashing the paddles on the pinball game, Nicolas Cage starts clapping his hands over his head and dancing all over the kitchen. Doctor, we spoke of it earlier. This reminded me a lot of Crispin Glover and Fry Their Teeth Part 4. His dance moves.
4: It's a a bit wild.
1: It's a very odd scene, but given the casting of Nicolas Cage, I can't say it was an unexpected scene. Because he hasn't done anything... Crazy to this point At this point You could have any actor playing The Jander But oh this is our moment To make weird Nicolas Cage scene
3: I shouldn't like it I know I shouldn't like it And guess what I liked it When his watch
1: beeps again, he takes a bunch of bagged-up robot parts out to the dumpster and waves to the sheriff before heading back inside. Dude, that scene... Well, it also begs the question, if he's taking trash outside... No, he's cool with it. He knows he can go back in in and out. We don't know why, but he's cool with it. He made a deal.
3: He made a deal. He wants to stay
1: there. Well, yes, I know, but I was like, you only put a lock on the front door, but apparently the back door was fine to go out. But apparently that fucking dance scene with the pinball machine was supposed to bring something to some kind of audience member. Tut liked it. That was just like, man, we got crazy Nicolas Cage here. Let's do something crazy with him. It didn't resonate with me at all. No, I thought it, I thought it was super fucking
3: lame. I'm so done with a movie by that point that it
0: didn't do anything. I can totally
3: I can totally understand that, and you are all absolutely justified justified in feeling that way. I don't know why. Like I said, I shouldn't have liked it. I know I should have li- shouldn't have liked it. I even recognized that I shouldn't have liked it, but I still liked it. Don't know why.
4: I actually appreciate. I don't understand why he waves to the sheriff. She's already been there and and tied his hands behind his back, and left him there. And then he all
3: gives her a wave, like, "Hey, it's all cool." It's senseless. The 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 whole script is senseless. It's just poorly. It's just poorly uh, executed. Not not even poorly executed. It's just poorly conceived. you You just pulled a Mark Borchardt. Senseless.
4: Senseless. I was up last night making collect calls to Algeria. Senseless.
1: <laughs> I called the Hotel Dan- Tangiers. Collect. Cost me $55. Senseless. Senseless. I thought, uh, we'll get to that. Well, the sheriff, the female sheriff now is really pissed off as she once again enters Wooly's Wonderland shotgun first. We had a good thing going here, she tells the janitor. All you had to do was die. How hard is that? No, you just had to go ahead and stay alive. Now we have five dead kids because of you. You may have taken apart a few electronics, but I have a feeling that you can't stop a shotgun round. Willie needs to eat, and I'm going to feed him. My God, that's some terrible dialogue.
3: It's horrible dialogue, and the fact that he's killed everybody but Willie maybe give him the chance to kill Willie and end this fucking curse.
1: Terrible dialogue. She yells out, "Willie, come and get him!" Just as the lights go dark, and Willie the weasel appears behind her.
3: Yeah, nobody could see that one coming.
1: We all could see it coming from before we ever started watching this fucking goddamn movie. Oh, he comes and gets it all right. He swipes with his giant claws and severs the old bitch's body in half. He just cuts her in half. Yeah. As the distorted It's Your Birthday song starts playing and the strobe lights spin and the confetti cannons fire away. The cinematography becomes very hallucinogenic as the jander is slashed over and over again by Willie until the weasel tosses him across the room into the ball pit. Boring. That's what you do when you're done with somebody, just toss him in the ball pit. Prince. The jander manages to escape back into the kitchen where he tosses his remaining energy drinks into his trusty burlap sack and he ties his broken mop handles pieces together with his trusty duct tape. As some heroic, guitar-heavy rock music begins playing, the janitor emerges from the kitchen ready for action. After a brief stare-down with Willie, they start battling, and it's honestly not much of a battle because the janitor fairly easily overtakes Willie by bashing his head in with his mob handles, and delivering some very powerful body blows with a sack of energy drinks, dude. That's straight out of uh, Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Remember that, yeah? The, the prison movie yes. where he, oh I, I immediately caught that one. I'm like, he fed all those coins into the coke machine, and they're like, "Why is this guy getting all these cokes?" We put him in a pillow sack and just beat the shit out of dudes with him. Once the weasel's all beat up and crumpled on the floor, the janitor rips off his oversized robot head. He just rips off his goddamn head, sending oil and black grease spraying all over the place. So here's my question. Was that oil and grease every time he killed one of these dudes? Or were these robots were supposed to have blood in them for some reason? No, I think it was supposed to be. Like it was oil supposed and to be demonic blood, blood. possessed oil. Yeah. He was freeing it from their possessed, demonic, animatronic bodies. Another just, thing. I, I don't know what that... I don't Another think thing. I man. think it was just effect. No sense. City effect. It's now dawn. Tex McAdoo is sipping coffee on the parking lot when Jed, the tow truck driver, squeals in, driving the Jander's Chevy Camaro. He's doing donuts, burnouts, with tire smoke going everywhere. He gets out and tosses Tex the car keys. Always nice to add another piece to the collection, Tex says. They step inside and are speechless. Willie's Wonderland looks as if it could be open for business today. The place is immaculate. All the tables are set and ready for kiddos. The janitor even refilled all the ketchup and mustard containers on the tables. As where did the ketchup and mustard come from? <laughs> you saw the state of the kitchen. It was in the fridge. It was in the fridge, Jack boy. Ugh. As Leonard Skinner's Freebird ge- begins to play, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot myself in the fucking head. We watch as the janitor cleans himself up. He slides into his leather jacket and walks out of the kitchen holding another, <laughs> another sack of what I guess is remaining energy drinks. You want to leave those behind. Punch pops. You see, boys, he's a free bird now. That's why Leonard Skinner's free bird is playing. <sighs> no. He holds no. out his hand, and a befuddled Tex McAdoo drops the Camaro keys down into it. The janitor gives Jed a salty look, before he walks outside and gets in his... Dude, the doctor's dead.
3: Hey, good on text for honoring his deal. The doctor's alive. Good on text for honoring his deal. Well, this man just killed all of the animatronic
1: demons. I don't want to cross him.
3: No, you don't. Well, get this.
1: When he walks out in the parking lot, Liv is out there waiting for him, and together they climb in his muscle car. They do a little tire burnout themselves burning smoke, and they take off. I gotta take my hat off to him, Tex McAdoo says. actually, As he actually raises his hat off to him. Dude, I think that's the first, if anything this movie gave us, it's the first time a guy says, I gotta take my hat off to him. And he actually
3: takes it off?
1: He actually takes his hat off to raise to him. You know what? I was waiting for Tex McAdoo to be like, you know what? I gotta call my cowboy real estate cousin to come and sell this place now. (laughs) That's one tough hombre, he says. He and Jed start laughing hysterically. The stranger actually fixed up this fucking fun center. It's over. And they killed the satanic robots. Woo! It's finally over. Woo! And it was then, as these two chuckleheads were giggling away, that I know, I noticed the enormous bull horns and shiny letters yeah. t- that Tex had as a hood ornament on his catalog.
3: Boss Hog style.
1: That fucking hood ornament is my favorite thing in this film. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I didn't even notice it because I just was waiting for the end credits.
1: It's cool. glorious. Downstairs. I understand that. It's a glorious set of bullhorns and a big fucking tee. It was so beautiful. They crawl into the Cadillac to go celebrate. Tex is buying drinks. And as he starts at the car, Tex tells Jed, I might actually reopen this place after all this. Well, you need a new name. How about Texas turf? That could sing. I don't know why that made me laugh. Tex, Texas Turf. That could sing. You could get a mechanical bowl in there and really draw the customers. But their conversation is cut short when Tex sees the reflection of Siren Sarah in the rearview mirror. Oh, fuck me. He moans as she lights a fuel soaked rag that shoved into his gas tank. Thanks for visiting Willy's Wonderland. I hope you had a fantabulous time, she tells the losers right before their car erupts in the giant fireball. Remember, we saw Tex illogically throw that lighter of his when he was trying to light that ugly cigar in the beginning of the film. And that's what she used to light his That's car. the only thing in this movie that
3: actually makes a connection. Oh, the irony. I don't care. Move on. That
1: is called foreshadowing, boys. Planting a little seed. A stupid little seed.
3: Don't care. Bye-bye.
1: We join the jander and the lit and live as they drive their way out of Hayesville. He cracks open a punch and air drink, but for once, before chugging it, he looks over at his new traveling companion and offers it to her. As Liv savors the apparently irresistible drink of the punch. Uh, punch soda. pop. The jander sees a confused Tito the turtle stumbling around up ahead in the middle of the road. So he hits the gas pedal and runs Tito over. Oh, shit, he says in Spanish as Nicholas Cage blasts over him in the Camaro. Body farts fly up in the sky. The end.
3: Thank Christ. Agreed.
1: Uh, oh yeah. Um, a few things. As I take the, let me get my uh. There we go. I band off the scar. French composer. Fool. Oh
3: God. For,
1: Philippe LaRue says that every great, memorable piece of music needs that one moment of madness. And I think it's clear here that the director wanted desperately for that scene in the third act, where Nicholas K. dances crazily and claps his hands along to the music while playing pinball, to be that moment of madness that would make this otherwise by-the-book snoozefest memorable but it didn't work for me And maybe that's because of the casting
3: I don't know but if I had a time machine I would love to go back in time And beat the fucking crap out of French composer Philippe LaRue hold out. it down Hear me out
1: Doug. If Bruce Willis Or Steven Seagal Had played the jander And they did that dancing And clapping nonsense While playing pinball it would have actually surprised the shit out of me. And maybe, just maybe, I would have appreciated that esoteric insanity of that scene. But with Cage in it,
3: it was kind of expected.
1: As Doctor gives the
3: <laughs>
1: jerk off motion.
3: No, I I think that I it, it think
1: was ex- I was a, I was waiting for Nicholas Cage to go full blown cage. If you'd had another actor in there, like, like Willis, who usually just plays it down
3: low... But that's not what you got. I mean, you got you got fucking Nicolas Cage, and you got him for that reason, and you're trying to low-key burn him by not giving him any speaking lines. I don't mind the dancing scene. I like the dancing scene. I want the dancing scene. But the problem is, is that none of the rest of the movie lives up to that dancing scene. So if you would have taken Yax's note treated it like the afterthought of Mandy or the sequel of Mandy, and you just went balls to the wall after and after that, then you're living up to that fucking hype. But this screenplay does not live up to this hype one iota. And that's the only problem I have with the dancing scene. You put Bruce Willis in doing that crap, I don't care. If you have the same movie with Bruce Willis in it, it's still going to be a boring fucking movie. Yeah, you might be like, oh, Bruce Willis is dancing around. Oh, Steven Seagal is dancing around. It's still a boring, crappy movie. Cage,
4: he's the only thing that's redeemable about this picture, and he can't redeem it.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, It's not enough. It's not enough. Finally... I would like to give a shout out to the Willie's Wonderland's digital imaging technician. That's the guy who is on set uh, when the camera captures the video. He treats it and brings out new colors to the uh, the visuals you're seeing. On set it is one Mr. Justin Warren who got his film career started as a grip on my horror film
3: no way! Hey! Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, many, many moons ago, and he's been working steadily up and up. He
4: worked on this movie. Holy shit!
1: He was the uh, digital imaging technician. He captures as they're filming. He captures the stuff. Uh, he lately his job is on the uh, CW show Black Lightning. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. No. Man, yeah. good
3: for him,
4: man. He is a good dude.
1: He is, uh, and I gave him start his start many many moons ago, and he's been working steadily on some very impressive movies and TV shows ever since. Way to go, Justin! He's a very talented dude, and it just took a visionary director like myself <laughs> to recognize. Of course, him we knew where and, this was going, and give him a shot. Somebody had to give him a shot, and you know that was me. So I guess way to go, Justin, and way to go me.
4: <laughs> way to go, Justin.
1: Way to go, Justin, and and me.
4: Great dude that Justin Warren. Really a guy with a lot of energy, love, love his work, a
3: lot of talent it. there. Man, yeah. he did good. He does good work.
1: And 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 me.
3: The kind of kind of guy, Tut. That uh,
4: eventually, no matter where he came from, would have found his way. Oh, I know! I know, I know! Some of the talent, regardless of where they all started, the obstacles
3: with, yeah.
1: placed
4: in front of him. Probably somebody overcame a lot to,
3: of obstacles. Somebody had to give him that. I the, mean, sometimes you start yeah. at the very, very bottom, and you're still able to rise above the circumstances of how you started, and just make a career. That's awesome! That's awesome.
1: Cinderella story.
4: Great way to end the show.
2: Hopefully. <laughs> I, I, I'm fucking with
1: the I, I like Justin a lot, and uh, I'm glad that uh, he's rocking. And a lot of the colors and the uh, visuals we saw tonight were due to him. So that's awesome.
4: That is awesome. I had no idea. And yeah. I watched the entire end credits. I'm yeah. very happy to hear that. Good on Justin. Great dude. And, uh, a guy who did get a start working on a Matt Cave feature.
1: He did. And actually, he stepped, he was a grip on the movie, but he actually stepped up and above when we had, uh, some makeup effects. He was really into that. So he did some blood, uh, and bullet wound effects. He was just a, an eager beaver. And it, it's really cool to see him kind of just, uh, he, he gave you
4: and me our first copy of a, well, we couldn't track down the Halloween Six producers cut. He he managed to get well, one.
1: Yes, I have a Michael Myers mask here in the corner, of, corn of Hope that he gifted me, as he was like, "You're the first director who's ever uh, treasured me and valued me, and I want to give you this thing." It's it's. I'm looking at it right now.
4: No, I mean I know you have the mask. I just
1: I... he yeah. said something like that. Well, boys. uh... I'm glad we did a current movie. I'm glad we, uh I guess, spent, spent 17 pages of notes and like 1,500, 2,000 words of my notes talking about this piece of crap. <laughs> Just because you can get Nicolas Cage doesn't mean you can sleepwalk your way through the goddamn thing. Utilize him like Mandy did. You failed here, filmmakers. You failed here to utilize Nicolas Cage to his potential.
3: But you know what has potential? Our links. Tut, give us the links. All right, so if you want to utilize your full potential there you go you're gonna hit at tncc cast for the twitters you're gonna go to instagram you're gonna uh follow at tncc underscore podcast. you're gonna follow facebook tuesday night cigar club and then you're gonna pound that subscribe button hit that like button on youtube uh tuesday night cigar club and then guess pound what it. uh mother's day is coming up so if you want to buy your mother something uh, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon banner, buy a little something from Amazon. It helps us keep the buy-offs. And guess what? Maybe you got a cigar-smoking mama that you want to do. Maybe you want to get some of this horror, uh Miami that you like that we saw on the on, that we like that we saw on the show tonight. You're gonna to go to Tuesday Night cigar Club, click on the Famous Smoke Shop banner.com, buy your stuff from there. If you spend $100, enter the program. You don't even have to enter it. The, the link will automatically enter TNCC20. It's a promo code, and you're going to save 20 bucks off of that order.
1: That's a big promo code.
3: That's a that's fabulous a- fucking Mother's Day right there. If
1: your mom likes cigars, that's a fabulous fucking Mother's Day. And if you want to send her some flowers, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, enter TNCC20 at checkout, and that will get you absolutely nothing. (laughs) Nada. Nada. Because guess what, flowers die. It's not a good gift. It just reminds your mother that she's going to die someday, and that's not good.
2: And on that
1: note, (laughs) get her some cigars. That shit ages like wine. smokeshot.com promo code tncc 20 Fuck, 1 800 flowers. Thank you, uh, boys and girls for joining us. Um, man.
3: You, don't hang yourself.
4: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm di- just this, this is for auto asphyxiation. Oh, okay, okay.
1: The Doctor's actually in consideration for the new lead singer of NXS. They're doing a reunion concert.
3: Hey, too soon, too soon. Too soon, too soon.
2: Don't change a thing. Don't change. Sorry. For me. Huh? Sorry. Uh, right. I'm standing here on the ground.
1: You were saying? It's a great song. A
2: sky above won't fall down.
1: I'll stop when you stop alright All right. Uh, much like NXS
2: no early,
1: early NXS the 2 Grand Cigar Club is awesome and we thank you for tuning in to us once again um, I'm not going to apologize for anything we said tonight until I'm asked to and then I will certainly apologize um, to avoid me any kind of uncomfortable circumstances in my personal life Um, without doubt, I'll do it. I won't even hesitate. I won't even think about it. I'll just say I'm sorry. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, I'm guessing that it's the beginning of summer then?
3: It's getting close, yeah. Terrible. We
1: might. Summer. Who wants that? We might be headed to the beach. What? Not Malibu Spring Break, because. The same guy wrote this shit. That wrote that. I'm not going to go back there. But uh, I'll find us something to celebrate our return to the beach. Oh, God. And I think we'll all have some fun doing it. So you would be wise, uh, boys and ghouls, to uh, come back in two weeks. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. If you're not come back now, you won't ever. But those of you that do, we appreciate it. So I'll just say this. Thank you. We'll see you in two weeks. Drew Estate, Herrera Celli, Miami. Big thumbs up. Uh, The Lagunitas Lagunetus, Triple. I loved it. You guys, uh, the axe your hazy was good. Very. All right. It made no sense in the context of the movie of the cigar, but we'll give you a absolutely nothing. A slight pass. And touch just beer. like the plot of this movie. Tuts it ties was, in perfectly. Cotts beer was a total bust, pairing wise, but he liked the beer itself, so we'll it's seek that out. And uh, as always, let's just say it. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. We'll see you in two weeks. Sign our motherfuckers.
0: learn more about the time I attended my nephew's birthday party back in 1983 at the Chuck E. Cheese in Sandusky, Ohio, and I've quickly found myself in a brutal battle to the death with the homicidal purple maniac known as Mr. Munch. Well, to be honest, there are some stories from my colorful past that I'd rather not revisit. This was a pure massacre, folks. So much purple blood, so many severed limbs, and a baker's dozen of crying toddlers. I mean, Woody Allen was there, or at least the guy that looked like Woody Allen. Great, now I need a stiff drink. Thanks, guys. And yes, I may have used the pseudonym Mr. Munch on my online dating profile many decades later, but that was simply to help me face my demons and conquer that particularly dark chapter in my life. You do you, and Keith will do Keith. In the meantime, you can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting DrewEstate.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.FritzBeerMusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well.